What's good? Welcome back to Agitator, the modern retelling of Rocky Balboa, starring two mystic juggalo weebs, and today guest starring a very special somebody, author of New Millennium Boys, pop artist, occultist, Alex Kazimi. What's, Yo. what's up? What up? What an honor to be here with you boys. I'm really excited. I'm hyped too. There's a lot of uh, I feel a lot of fire around you going on lately. We and Dave and I are off the internet, and even still, it's like well, off the internet. We're we're not not social media dwellers, but like even still, I like feel energy around this book. I was like, oh, bro, this this is a big one. Like, yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's it should be that way because I've done so much magic charging it up, right? I would hope like if you guys are like feel those type of energies that that's that's a good sign to me it's been it's been a long time coming man <laughs> yeah long, so long this journey. is this your tumblr deal that was supposed to go go down yeah. in like 2014 yep. or whatever yeah so 2014 um i posted when i was 18 the first 50 pages of a manuscript because i knew at that time that i i, I just I was just very ambitious. I wanted to be a novelist. And, but it was that age when like, you think that like, I'm just doing everything out of purity and I just want to be authentic. Like you're not really thinking of like quality, you know, you're thinking like, I just hope this resonates with someone, you know? So it was like that kind of age. And so it resonated with kids on Tumblr, which then managed me. I mean, like I had to be like, okay, fuck now all these kids want a book so now i have to go look for a publisher so i was just like i was like skip school like look looking all day for literary agents rejection 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 nope 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 no market for this nope 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 congrats on the viral stuff but it's a pass just like just constant constant rejection and then i met you know the dude who ended up you know signing me to mtv books and then we got that happened right and then i was like you know what probably going to take longer than I thought to do this for, for the vision that I want to execute. And it ended up being 10 fucking years. And you can kind of see how like Stanley Kubrick went psychotic making Napoleon because like when you're working on a period piece, like it's never ending the research, dude. It's like fucking crazy. You can get stuck in that phase of like obsession of notes and collaging and like, yeah, it's been crazy, dude. It Did they tell you this... why they were rejecting it? Sorry, I just wanted to know. Yeah, why, yeah. Why, oh, so why like when I was younger, um, yeah, yeah, they just they no, they said they said that I had a bit of an. They said you're you have a good author, you have a voice, even though it was shit then, and they they saw something in potential, but they just didn't think that there was a market for, um, nineties nostalgia, which I thought was so fucking stupid because back then that's when like it was the peak of the apex Tumblr era where like you'd log on and you see a fucking gummo gif. And a picture of Kate Moss and like it was like all about 90s 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 so I thought they just had no idea what teenagers wanted so they're probably regretting that now <laughs> yeah well it, it's it feels like it's come back a whole lot more even now though with like a that 90s nostalgia shit because 90s kids are getting to be closer to middle age and they're like fuck I miss when things were cooler to me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you, I mean, as you guys have read the book, you know, like I, I try to like, that's kind of like my statement of like tricking those type of readers into being like, okay, I'm going to make you think you're reading like this, like 90s nostalgia teen movie shit, but I'm going to really like expose uh, underbellies of society and really dark things. So it's kind of like, um, 
kind of like how like with spring breakers like how he kind of like tricked everyone with like selena gomez being in it and trying to get the kids to go to the theater and then they were all like what the fuck's this movie i hate this movie you know they didn't have any any context of understanding so like the book's a bit of like a trick for a certain audience it works I like how well. it looks like a 311 cover i do yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's sick thank you that also you. works well and like um having like a lot of times you would think you come to a book with no expectations and you just get completely surprised but when yeah. you come to a book like this it's not even like you do the opposite thing it gets mm -hmm. more complicated yeah. so it's like because there's shit in there that i was like i loved the 2000s like you know i yeah. wasn't you and i are close to the same age yeah, so like yeah, yeah. i was only six when columbine happened <laughs> yeah. but growing like kind of that era and my gen x uncles and everything i thought all that shit was cool no but, i know uh, exactly what you mean yeah but yeah so there's like a, a more complicated relationship to it and it's not like you're just like actually this is all toxic you're just like no 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 eh, not, eh. not at all yeah what i mean it, it's interesting to how, how can you contrast that james like with what kelby's saying of like y2k nostalgia being something more ephemeral and childlike and euphoric and then also like you being sort of more of a teenager and a full-formed human in that period one thing that i think you nailed in the book was how shitty everybody was to each other that was yeah. definitely the vibe i think we <laughs> called each other gay every sentence pretty much kind of like how black people use the n-word yeah like yeah we would just you would use fag instead of that right um yeah. but like white boy said the n-word too <laughs> oh no we said it all the time oh i still <laughs> all the time and and yeah kelby still does and here's the thing we used it and uh i remember in like 2012 was the cutoff point when people suddenly it was the second term of obama mm -hmm. when my buddies who were doing like HVAC and delivering furniture and stuff mm -hmm. like they were the last holdouts of that, the, the, the non-malicious N word users yeah. um, who are white. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that this, I think what this book captures really well is a time when there was still something called a monoculture kind of, but it was mm -hmm. speeding up. It was speeding up and you can see that, you know, after this book ends the way that it does, yeah, uh, you could see that culture would go from there into a kind of, it would disintegrate completely, right? And go into all these different uh, fractal Algorithm. patterns. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure, for sure, for sure. Like this was the last period of where people could have the level of like pretension of being like, I'm a punk, I'm a goth. Um, mm -hmm, I'm yeah. into this and like everyone was like split and they're like you know this is like the time of gatekeeping culture gatekeeping subcultures and then also um, the kind of like Americanized archetypes of like the hot blonde cheerleader and the hot football player you know like it was there was like a sense of order out of like all the chaos of right now like compared to back then like there was like I mean, I don't know if people were happier back then, but there was more of like an order around like the gender stereotypes and people are like, okay, if I'm disenfranchised, I'm a goth and I don't care if I'm like 40 and at a Marilyn Manson concert, I resonate with this, you know, like there wasn't like a sense of like homogenized algorithms that were robbing people of their sense of self or identity. People could have like an illusory, more concrete sense of self back then. I think so. I think so. And I think that the amount of references in the book uh, you know, Tom Green or the girl wearing the Aphex twin shirt, Slipknot. Yeah. I mean, 
every single page. I is love, just I love that. I love that joke on Tom Green too, where it's like, uh, Chris Rock isn't that funny. I think black people try too hard. And then right after, <laughs> it's like, and Tom Green is overrated, like a white guy. He's like, and Tom Green is like, he's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so even funny. the even the mom at some point, there's a really one of the funniest parts that I laughed out loud at. It was later in the book. But after you've witnessed some of the debauchery and crazy shit that these the kids have gotten here. into, yeah. he's talking to his mom and his mom says, I think it's Tupac and Biggie that are doing all this. And it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, OK. But to get yeah. back to all the just all the all the references, it's this, you know, you you don't have to know what Worms Armageddon is, but it's helpful. Uh, but I think that it's really interesting to see a monoculture that was based entirely around how many things could you hold in your head at once? How many pop culture references? Oh, absolutely. And, and I was trying to paint to the reader that the boys are trying to escape this level of anesthetization from the amount of ca- consumerist images and you know brands and pop culture and references that were filling them up with a sense of vapid emptiness they're trying to like escape that through doing darker things as a way because they're bored and in the suburbs and they have you know, the money and they have privilege and they're you know that's really the story of like bully you know larry clark's bully like i even yeah. put a few references to that crime in the book if you guys caught them but um it gave me a lot of bully vibes actually that, that's he, very when he started uh, linking up with Lou that, and man. Shane. Yeah, I was like, this is feeling very Larry Clark here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you guys saw Thirteen? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, oh, yeah. That's the thank you. That's the movie I was thinking of the whole time I was reading the book, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I couldn't remember the fucking name of it. Yeah, with the you with remember the, the tongue and, cover, of course. Though I remember the tongue cover, but yeah, she this girl had this psycho friend who was making her do all this crazy shit. But then the psycho friend turns around and acts innocent, and so it yeah. it all falls on that on that girl. That's the movie. Yeah, this book yeah, is yeah, like yeah, thirteen. Yeah, yeah, that that was thirteen. But yeah, I think um, it's kind of interesting how these boys grew up in a time where there was like a level of camaraderie around pop culture. Like that's how boys would break the ice being like, Oh, like, do you think Denise Richards is hot? You know what I mean? Like, this is how they like started to like bond, but kids today, like they're living in so many different multiple astral universes and realities that they're like, they can't really bond together because it's like, everyone has a different for you page. So like everyone is seeing a different thing. So like one person's like idol might be some fucking Twitch random person that has 10 million fucking followers that we've, we have no idea who they are. And then that's like, how do you bond with people when you're like constantly isolating yourself in your little um, like filter bubble reality on the internet? You know, one way now recently and i'm being dead serious i'm not just saying this because we're a japanese media podcast what i've noticed with kids is uh anime anime brings a lot of them together they bond like over death my hero, <laughs> like my hero academia and one piece one piece oh huge, one piece was right? in the one piece was in the original uh manuscript i took it out and i put perfect blue in because but Oh my God, the amount of fucking research I had to do to figure out that perfect blue VHS release date. I went to like libraries, like <laughs> that was so fucking hard to because I was like, I better fucking be proper and accurate. But it was, it was on VHS at that point. So it's hard to get that shit right with those kind of releases too. Cause I know, just... dude, it's scary. I was like, 
I know some motherfucker is gonna like reprimand me for this. Like, there's a Dude, lot of fear so around these references. That's so interesting because when I was reading the book, uh, I didn't double check anything. So well, it I comes assumed... at you too fast. To, I did. Like... Yeah, I yeah. double checked yeah. fucking everything. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't double check <laughs> like, anything. Oh my god! Check it out though. Check it out though. So what's really interesting? You might think this is interesting. Um, of there were some things that were referenced that seemed so much older to me yeah. than some other things, right? Okay. The the fact that um what's a good example? Okay, so there's a collect call in the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dad come pick me up. It reminded me of the 101020 commercials. Yeah. Where yeah. there was a commercial for because 101020 was a collect call where you didn't have to worry. I don't know. There was some gimmick to it. Yeah. But yeah. There was that commercial where the guy would call it from the maternity ward. Like he was calling his parents to let them if know. If you that had a baby, his, it's a boy. We had a baby. It's a boy, it's right? Boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was later. Yeah. 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 So 101020 yeah. was later. But collect calls coexisting with like website, BME Paint Olympic style websites and, yeah, and yeah. all the all the internet shit that they talk about. It's weird. They feel like two different times to me. Right. Yeah, because uh, that was like the converging of the new millennium and like the early web. Right. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it was all coming together at that time that. Yeah, I drove myself crazy doing the collect call thing. Watch the fucking Bart Simpson collect call commercial. I watched like 100. <laughs> like I got a fucking tape off eBay. I really tried to make this historically accurate for everybody. But um, because like boy, like men born in the 80s is like my like prime audience i mean as much as guys born in the early 90s but like you know what i mean that level like yeah. visceralness like um my friend who like was friends with eric and dylan the columbine killers like he, he i have a really weird like kind of story about that he he got the manuscript when he went back to littleton for the first time in 20 years so he was like like i was like yo are you okay and all this he's like he's like this is a lot for me do you understand i was like okay it's fine it's fine but it's like it's just weird timing i sent it to them him and i had no idea he was in littleton damn yeah so <laughs> weird how did how did y'all know each other oh i just seeked him out when i was like fucking 18 and i was like hey dude like i'm gonna spend the next 10 years of my life like writing a book about basically your life and your friend's lives and like Columbine and these traumatic things. Do I have your blessing? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And I was, that was probably the best day giving him the book. Cause I was like, I did it. It's done. It's real. Cause I was like also like avoiding him until it was done in a weird way. I can see that. But <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, just a reminder, just checking in. I'm still writing about this traumatic time of your life. Uh, still fictionalizing it, writing some funny, I wrote some funny shit today. About that traumatic time <laughs> from your childhood. <laughs> oh man, guys. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. What was the hardest thing to research for this book? Oh man, that's a good that's a really good question. Um I think probably everything. <laughs> like I'm not like I like I think there was like some things that were like very easy, like the hookup stickers and porn star shirts and things like that were like but like pretty much every reference required like its own day or hour to to master you know and study and and figure out so pretty much everything <laughs> like um but particularly like the websites the angel fire was really hard because um 
for Lucif's like uh link, like when he makes the web page, like you'd have to be like it wouldn't be uh, like like it couldn't be just like angelfire.com slash uh like lucif six six six. Like it would have to be like LA slash something. So I had to make it like banned because people were starting to put their bands up on Angel Fire. So it, that's like I'm not even making sense, but this is what I mean. Like all these weird nuances that had to like be accurate. It it feels accurate. To, it feels like that time too in the um, collagist, like everything coming out, every paragraph is full of another pop culture reference. And it's like coming at you in this like collagist way that makes it feel like a product of that time because everything was covered in stickers and fucking patches and this and that. <laughs> so like there was, yeah. it's, it's of a time where pop culture references were fucking everywhere yeah yeah and 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 uh, like some girls who've read the book have been like oh like um you know guys were, weren't into like big butts back then like that and i'm like mm, no because i like studied the porn of that era and there was like all of that genre <laughs> i was like so like, i watched a lot of porn from then. <laughs> like i was like i was like that's a stupid statement like people will like try to like pick battles with me about like things i got wrong and i'm like no i didn't like you're fucking wrong because i'm just like so protective of like all the fucking work that went into that shit it's also super experience based because i was trying to think of like you know like i said you and i are the same age so this is kind of yeah. like yeah we grew up in like parts of this time but like not the same way that david did we're being like aware of this shit and uh I was like, I was looking at it all like, damn, how does everybody have, like, what would my cultural reference point be for things? Because I was more a teenager in the Napster era. So it yeah. was like, it wasn't these like rites of passion. Like, are you cool because you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know no, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I downloaded thousands of songs this morning. Yeah, yeah. Like, what what CD, Torrents, you know, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. Because you're in high school, like, during like the Megan Fox era, Transformers era, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. exactly that time. Yeah, that's so funny. Where did Lou come from? Okay, so um, and basically, I think so. I think as a teenager, I was trying to like make sense of aspects of not my psyche, but maybe like satires of things I was seeing around me. So like young people were especially in this time with like instagram and snapchat and everything really tumblr blowing up like everyone really wanted to be like an influencer and stuff like that and at the time i was like studying columbine stuff and i was very fascinated by the fact that there's all these stories like elephants you know all these movies but no one really ever dives into the fact of how narcissistic they were about fame and power and um how obsessed they were with natural born killers and things like that so i was like okay i'm gonna make this like a part of part of it and then it started to get really weird in like the 10-year process because then it was like luca magnota elliot rogers all these type of things and then it started to be like an like um i don't know how to say it because i'm fucking dumb like it's like amalgamation how do i say that word you know amalgamation the there you go there's the word and um he started to become like that and then he started to be like a, a sort of like my way of trying to show people that like school shooters are like drag queens they're like so theatrical and histrionic and like ridiculous so i wanted to like uh portray that but also i knew that um this is actually so stupid um 
So I watched an interview. Do you guys know the movie Go from the 90s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I watched an interview when I was a teenager with Doug Lemon, and he was talking about or or John August, one of the people of that movie who worked on it. Um, and he was talking about how it was based off of Alice in Wonderland. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to base Lou and Shane off Flotsam and Jetsam from The Little Mermaid. And they're <laughs> going to be like these eels that bring in corrupt, corrupt Brad's innocence. So that's how I got that idea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, I, I fuck with that. I fuck with that. I relate to that too. Writing shit where in your head you're like, this is based on this really retarded thing that everybody's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. nobody's going to yeah. get it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For you guys, what was your like um, top disturbing moment? The rat. Really? That's tame I didn't like to the people. No, no, the rat, the rat for me when they say, uh, what did they say? They say, oh, I heard it's, I heard something pop when they put the knife in it. I don't know why that gave me the, that gave me the willies. Um, you, the back, yeah, yeah, that was gross. The back half of the book, um, I read it uh, not in one sitting, maybe like three sittings, but it was, uh, it created this kind of uh, hallucinatory effect. And oh, I sick. think the first half of the book breaks that up really nicely with the letters to Aurora, which are really yeah, fucking yeah, funny you. too. It's really <laughs> funny when, when he tells her that he witnessed an act of homophobic violence after he was the one who beat up and bragged about beating up. But isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the like description of being a man? Like exactly yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I witnessed an act of homophobic. I was rolling dude. Um, but <laughs> So it's there in the beginning as well, because that's part of the style. That's part yeah. of the collages nature of reference, reference, reference. Yeah. But once you hit, I mean, I feel like the book is pretty evenly divided. Shit starts getting really fucked up. I think about halfway through, if I remember correctly. After the and, Y2K uh, party. Yeah. It's the white. It's when he, yeah. When he beats up the guy, right. That's the, yeah. that's the same party. Um, yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's the centerpiece of the whole thing. And that's when we're getting all these great descriptions. Oh, that part also, since I'm digressing, I'll digress again, has one of my favorite lines. Uh, when he's talking to the muscular, uh, questionable gender DJ, yeah, they yeah. say, uh, do you ever feel like we have the souls of people who came, who were once alive and we are doing their bidding? And I was yeah. like, all the fucking time and kind of that's also true because our heads are meeting places for spirits and our thoughts are their conversations but yeah, yeah. um but once you hit that back point to get to my point finally uh it's it's just it's just fucked up shit after fucked up but the rat happens relatively early yeah and so i think that's what really got me at first it's something about the <clears throat> The kind of sociopathic drug fueled yeah not even casualness but like giddy <laughs> jumping up and down on the bed like a little kid energy to it yeah. that fucked me yeah. up yeah yeah and then all like the kid references like eating into a mcchicken and like feeling like it was a yep. reward and like yeah yep. that's yeah that that scene was very upsetting to write um you can imagine how everyone doing edits fucking felt dealing with this book which is why like the girls at my publisher had like a meltdown and tried to like 
Well, they got some stuff removed. They got one thing removed, um, which what, is so what, Oh, stupid. tell us, tell us, tell us. Um, so basically, because you know there's a content warning, like Simon & Schuster demanded a content warning or they wouldn't stock it in stores because they mm-hmm. were afraid that teenagers would reenact the behavior. How ridiculous. Wow. It's like, uh, bro, if they did, go. that'd be an amazing performance art on your part. You like created this thing that then inspired the next Columbine. I'd be like, damn, no, Alex, oh Alex is the goat now. I'd be like, no. yeah, this is the greatest artist of our generation. <laughs> oh, no. Like Manson? When, when, oh, God. Um, that's so funny. No, first off, I was pissed at that because you guys probably could empathize with how I felt. I kind of felt like, okay, we're in a post Dennis Cooper society, post Chuck Palahniuk, post Brett Snellis. I thought all these people paved the fucking way for me to write whatever I want. Didn't they go through all the wars for my generation to be able to write what we want? No, it seems like Mm -hmm. that's not it. People's suits still find things to be dangerous. So basically, um, it was actually a normal fact in, in the scene where Lou and Brad are having the fight about Columbine and Lou says the victims names. I was trying to mirror the way that people in liberal circles and social justice things say, like, say her name and whatever. You know what I mean? I was trying to like mm. say that that they were trying to like show their like Brad's delusional morality and virtuousness that he's so attached to. And people did know the the girl's victims' names. I, I did research. They did know. They were like Cassie Burnell or whatever. So they made me take out her name because they said that the parents or people would be offended of, by it. And the girls were really upset that I did that. And like the young Gen Z girls who were reading the book and editing it. And I was like, I don't understand. This is historical fucking facts. Like, like, like you know what I mean? Like, this is f- historical fiction. So anyways, that was ridiculous. They also yeah. starred your N-words. Yeah, yep. I was a little. That was a that was that. a compromise. They said, but I said I was like, no, I have to have that in there because that's how guys talked back Especially then. You can especially white people. Like I get that about a lot of <laughs> a lot of books that I write where they go like, I hope this character's black. I'm like, no, he's obviously. And I stated that he's a white guy, and that's yeah, yeah, like yeah, how they fucking talk. I mean, it's how it's I just, talk. It's just, it's just how it is. That's just how people certain people talk and that's the dialect and and people need to also remember that there are some like there's still bro friendships where black guys are okay with their white friends saying the n-word you know and they're they're like i'm cool you know what i mean like that you know what i mean like that's still a thing so back then especially it was i think like even on like hbo white guys were like saying it in like oh six like bro the original i saw an original uh where the fuck did i see this i caught uh i think a friend of mine had like a dvd of the fast and the furious like the first yeah, yeah. one like from like from the first pressing like he was like this is my yeah. first dvd yeah. i was like oh man i want to watch the first fast and furious again paul walker fucking says the n-word and the original i'm sure they've edited it since then but I was like, holy shit, I don't remember this. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And and in Alien that, and Spring like, Breakers says it. Mm-hmm. James Franco says it. It's like, it. I mean, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, I didn't, yeah. Anyway, so that was a compromise I had to make. There's um, There's something about that word that's really interesting because you're right. I'm around kids now and I hear it from white and black kids as long as there's that sort of unspoken rule of it being cool i think it's because i'm you know there's the alan moore quote about you know you know there's when you're spelling you're casting a spell 
And yeah, it's yeah. all about the importance of words and how and how um <clears throat> they really do have an effect on people. But uh-huh. that word in particular has kind of it's kind of gone crazy. I remember seeing a, a video on the internet and it was this guy trolling people. He was going around asking them if you could solve world hunger, but you only had to say the N-word one time, would you do it? And all these white people were like, no, no. And part of it, obviously, <laughs> is that they're on camera. Oh, my God. But yeah, that, some that's, of them, you could yeah. see the actual fear in their eyes of just being like, yeah. nope, nope. And to me, it's really weird that a word Yeah, it, it is. That. It is really weird. Have you read the disinfo books then? If you like Alan oh, Moore? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Sick. I'm, wow. a, I'm, I'm more of a Grant Morrison guy. I have a... I have an invisibles tattoo. Might not be able to oh, see sick. it very well, but uh, yeah, that was. I'm more of a on on that side of. The, How do you feel about Grant being they them and in his non-binary? Oh man, I want to cover for my for my book club. I want to cover Luda, and uh, I want to talk about that for sure. That's a whole <laughs> that's a whole interesting conversation. Uh, I mean, like, because, I mean, look, if you yeah. if they really feel that way inside and, you know, that's their vibe, because, um, like, I respect Grant Morrison, so I don't really want to, like, upset him, them. I don't know. I mean, is he OK with he him? I mean, I don't fucking know. OK, but um, look, a lot, a lot of the extras talked about gender bending and shit like that. Manson, Bowie, yep. Grant Morrison, you know, none of this shit is new. You know, it was only one, like tumblr kids came of age and they were like you know able to articulate it as an identity and attach to it and things like that and kind of control the way we speak and i don't really care like i'm kind of like oh if you you identify as like mermaid cool you're a mermaid you know what i mean like do you Mm -hmm. like i'm just a water sign like that like i just let people be them but i think like uh yeah i just thought that was i had to mention the ludo thing no for (laughs) sure you think some of that you think some of that maybe comes from how like you said about this book, it was the last era where you had these signifiers to there was a monoculture people could attach to. And now there's still the people go through the same shit of like, who am I and how do I? Yeah, yeah. You know, what do I resonate with? And... Absolutely. That's why I went to kind of bat because, uh, you know, so I kind of went to bat to show like um, in a lot of these like teen films and books and, and transgressive literature, like there's always like uh, we always talk about like the good girl gone bad and like but there is like a moment where teenage boys want to shed their innocence and express their sexuality and things like that so like a character like brad is like looking for an area of control in the way those tumblr kids are like by i by attaching himself to an edger image by wearing a porn star shirt i think like back then it was just more like off camera more private they couldn't make like this historical social media feed off of that adolescent phase of looking for an area of control so like i'm sure that kids from like the milo era like like who were our age like in high school who were like in like 18 or 19 like in 2014 2015 in like the height of social justice culture like i'm sure they've probably grown out of that now and like see that oh wow like that's really embarrassing that i left that like historical record of myself on the internet oh yeah no i nuked facebook and all that shit from back then (laughs) i was (laughs) like wow this is bad yeah Um, yeah yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, you got the gay shit like on point. That shit was so funny every time and so true. How they like everything is no, that's gay or like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they turn around and be do the mo- do the gayest shit, like literally <laughs> yeah, spoon yeah, yeah. each other naked in bed or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, like, yeah. It's just an es- escalation of gay shit until an eventual 
rape. A blood, yeah, a blood, yeah, a yeah. Blood oh, yeah. How how did the hazing go, guys? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, okay. So here's the thing. I mean, I feel like a lot of people don't portray uh, male rape. Yeah. in this uh in this here day and age i think that um i thought it was really uh uncomfortable i liked that he beat him up that part was cool i was yeah, like yeah yeah got him uh but i was just kind of like uh well it, it's so gradual too it's a long chapter it felt like a long chapter too and you just you know you know some gay shit's gonna happen yeah like, okay, yeah here we go and I, I kind of, that was from like a really well studied, like kind of like look into fraternities and hazing and sort of like that this type of stuff happens like all the time with young boys to the point where they like kill themselves because of the shame or like, you know, like there's always stories about like uh, rape, gay rape or things like that happening in hazings and things like that, you know, and it's very like fetishized by people. So um, it was sort of like my... Um, homage to uh to my gay readers like i wanted them to like get off on it kind of like i was like i was like, I was like here's your guys's big like dennis cooper moment here you go like yeah, you know yeah oh, you're mean, gonna have got a me lot was, of uh, those the line <laughs> that got me was when he was like uh he was like should i suck it i was just like oh man no don't do that yeah 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 no it go. was it, yeah and and you guys noticed that i also sort of switched like the gender roles like the like the rich girl at the school like paid lucif to fuck brad like i like i was kind of like trying to show because i know like so many yeah. women who are like hot girls who've gotten like male escorts and it's like never talked about and i was like okay like why don't we have like the girl do some of like the twisted shit now too you know that's interesting that's i didn't know that that hot women got male escorts that's, yeah, it happens. I'm, I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah, it happens. It's very shocking. It's very shocking when some girls have told me, I'm like, what? You don't need to do that. And they're like, no, it was very important. You just have to ask. She was like, it's very empowering. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, and then again, like, so I'm kind of like wondering, when did you guys start to realize, like, maybe by the end of it, like, when did you guys start to realize that it was sort of like a, a response to the extreme teen genre rather than like a celebration of it. Like when it was supposed to, like, I'm sort of making a commentary on books like, you know, less than zero books, like um, uh, movies like uh, bully and like uh, shows like euphoria. Like I was trying to like say, Hey, this is the peak of what we can take the extreme genre to teen genre to. Like, I kind of wanted to like make it over, like kind of kill it in a way. <laughs> I had this suspicion from the get-go, just okay, from like cool. interacting with you a bit and yeah. the way that some of the people I saw who were fucking with the book and hyped on you and then the way that the book was pitched to me, because how this book was pitched to me at first before you and I ever interacted, yeah, um, it came to me as like, and there was all this like... Uh, you know, forewarnings of like content trying to over describe, like yeah, push yeah, to yeah. me what it was supposed to be doing in this and that. Yeah, and I yeah, was yeah. like, hmm. At first I was like, nah, pass. And then I yeah, was yeah. thinking like, wait, this might actually be cool. Like yeah, I, had a, yeah. I had a feeling about, I was like, this might actually be cool. That's yeah, the yeah. It's supposed to be that very the energy. Yeah. 
very out of the yeah. matrix. <laughs> yeah. So, but that is that is it, even still having my suspicions through the beginning, the very beginning, like the summer camp part. Um, I didn't catch bearings of quite what you what you were doing with it until uh maybe 50 50 pages in or so Whoa, i'm really like... happy that you mentioned that because no one has mentioned that to me yet yeah of course the summer camp thing is a total setup and a red herring for the reader to think it... that they're yeah you, have you, you seen uh, have you seen the movie Hausu? no so <laughs> Hausu is this like a snow white and the seven dwarfs fairy tale a japanese movie about oh um, sick all these girls who like it ends up they they get stuck at this like haunted house and all this crazy violent shit happens and uh but it starts off with them oh like overly giggly school girls they're all like oh we're gonna have so much fun this summer (laughs) isn't mr so is so cute i love this it's like it's like that for like 10 15 minutes and you're like (laughs) what and it has this 70s like hyper you know how the like 70s cheaper movies kind of look they have like yeah yeah like there's a curtain over the like everything's real bright and plush and like yeah yeah it's like what am i watching and then it gets real fucked up so like a little bit after the summer camp shit i was i had that i was like this is like Hausu. this is giving me Hausu (laughs) vibes that's so the, funny, the best dude. part about Hausu is that the director asked his uh he asked his uh four-year-old daughter to mm-hmm. tell him what she thought was scary and he put that in the movie like his four-year-old daughter is listed as a co-writer on the movie that's amazing so it's like a piano that eats your fingers <laughs> and yeah. shit like that um, oh that's sick i think i realized something was up because of the dialogue i'm glad that you brought up the drag queen aspect of it but this book, we have to talk about the dialogue because it's what eighty percent dialogue, something yeah. like that. And yes, the di- yeah. the way the characters speak is extraordinarily flamboyant and colorful, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and now that you've said drag queen, that made it click for me. Yeah. Uh, but that took that high melodramatic way of speaking. When I first read it, I was like, well, I mean. We didn't really talk that way. We were most we were like animals, kind of yeah, grunting yeah, yeah. at each other. Yeah. Um, you were having that yeah. reaction that he's trying to get. You were like, "Yeah, we didn't speak that way." What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I mean, once you get into the flow of it, you realize, yeah. like, "Oh, this is this is doing something right." And you wouldn't have been able to do it if you pulled back and had more reserved. Um, sparse dialogue yeah yeah and grunting at each other like yeah. oh, man. so i think that the i think the dialogue tipped me to it um i'm not a person who has synesthesia but i would say that the book feels colorful i think because of the dialogue um you can you definitely get a lot of uh color impressions well that's like kind of read. like a psychic pickup on your part because like one of the like original intentions when i was like a teenager was like wanted i wanted it to feel like pink cream soda like 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 Mm -hmm. crushed cream soda like i wanted it to feel like so poppy juxtaposed with these really violent things and yeah um the dialogue the book ended up being a lot of dialogue because i think 
as a teenager, I just like didn't read a lot of literature. I was more so like the MTV generation, right? So I was like just writing things and reading magazine profiles and things that like showed me fragments of scenes and things like that. So my goal from the beginning, which I had to fight a lot with with my publisher because they're like, no one's going to fucking read a book. There's just a bunch of scenes flashing. And I'm like, no, just trust me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, but uh, it was basically like, what I wanted from the beginning was I just wanted it to be sharp imagery and sharp dialogue. Like that was just like what I've tried to do. And like I did, I wanted it to be like less on authorial voice and just show what's happening around. And I'm happy I got my way in the end. Cause for the people who get it, people really get it. And then other people are like, why am I reading this book of like all these boys talking about porn and like, what? I'm like, okay. Then well, fuck what off. authorial like, voice is Brad going to have? You know what I he's mean? A he's, he's a teenager. He's a teenager. He's a fucking teenager. I'm not going to write perks of being a wallflower. Like today I cried and whatever, you know, like I, I, try, <laughs> I mock that genre a bit, like with like the voice recorder and thing. Like I try to like put in a little bit of teenage uh, YA vibe in there sometimes. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that like two cool people like you that I like visualized and imagined would be reading it like, we're so receptive to it because it it's very, it makes like it worth everything, you know, because it was painful. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. <laughs> the most, um, the most heartbreaking and like a connecting to that teenage angst, like scene for me was when he, he rejects Shane on his porch. He's like, what are you doing at my house? And Shane yeah. is like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> we're supposed to be actual friends. Like yeah. that took me back to like, talk, you know, everybody wants to bring out the it seems like everybody wants all men to go to therapy these days and yeah. um i mean it is it is hard growing up like with your with your even with your boys when you're like yeah. everything is unspoken so you dog on each other all the time oh it felt so painful the feeling of like not being like i remember when my two best friends would go do things without me and go to them, like go see a movie and it would like shatter my world. You know what I mean? I would like, it, like it, that meant so much to me. And I, and like, I, I also studied like a lot of like psychology about, like I read like a lot of um like kind of Christian media guides, like that were like, like with like, who, who would like interview teenage boys and like ask what they thought about things and stuff like that to like make it feel really real. And a lot of them sort of like, that like said the type of things that Shane says, you know, in the book. But uh, yeah, I'm happy that one resonated with you. That was that was a more underrated scene. Sick. Well, I was the side. I, I I was Shane a bit in those because because I was like, I mean, I'm from. Pisces. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I flow between you know, and yeah. I uh, I've always been really good at fitting in with all kinds of people. So yeah. like, there'd always. I would often have that friend who I didn't realize was too good for me and was just like yeah. slumming it with me or whatever. Yeah. And I'd be like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Oh, what you do? Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, my mom's yeah. uh, going to be home. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, yeah. you know, I don't care <laughs> if she's home. I'm not trying to bang your mom. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Has tattoos on his face since 12 years old. Yeah. He got his first face tattoo. Yeah. That's so funny. I I do want to talk about, and for listeners, if you're a spoiler-inclined person, uh, I'm sorry about you, but I want to talk about Adam's song, the use of Adam's song <laughs> yeah, in the book. Yeah, um, yeah. It was interesting reading the book and having 
the uh you know the the sort of final moment yeah sound soundtrack to adam's song because i was uh i went to a festival called sick new world in vegas okay where okay. I got to see System of a Down and Corn and Deftones and Incubus and all the all the bands I loved growing up. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sent me down this total nostalgia hole, and one of those holes was Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. And I was in the drive-through of a Chick Fil A, and I okay, and Adam Song came on, oh. and you know Adam Song was big on TRL <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, all, it was. all Blink One Eighty Two videos were big. I mean. All this from all the small things on, like if Blink One Eighty Two had a sig- uh, single, it was going to be on TRL. So yeah, Adam's song comes on my Spotify, and I'm just I have a kid now. I have yeah. a son. Yeah, and um, I was listening to it and I was weeping as I took my chicken sandwich wow. and waffle fries because wow. the the song hit different. Um, yeah, because I was picturing my son as adam yeah. right you know yeah. and how 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 powerful that would be so when i read this this happened probably a month ago but when i wow. read that i went back and i've, I've been humming adam's song for the past few days wow. uh which wow. is kind of a uh goth thing to do i guess <laughs> <The pop laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a very haunting story i think probably when you heard it you started to feel how truly young and like so much of life ahead of a kid who is feeling those feelings and mm-hmm. like believing in nothing past that point. Right. And I think that's why mm-hmm. I chose Adam's song, but also because I actually saw like historical research that that was like a thing, like teenagers, yeah. it actually like people started to be worried about Adam's song because teens were killing themselves to it. It was like a thing, like it was on MTV and stuff. So like, mm-hmm. um, that's why I kind of chose it, but I also was trying to show like um, Brad what's left of his like stupid kidness in a sense. Like if you notice in those last finale scenes, like he keeps saying like, I just want, I just, I wish none of this ever happened. I wish I could stay like who I was before I met you guys. You know what I mean? Like he was just like so overwhelmed by everything. Yeah. I yeah. just read rules of attraction right before reading this. Oh God. Yeah. And it, had so i was it's almost like i was a. it's almost like i was streaming my book selection it was like suggested for you based on since you liked rules of attraction read new millennium boys this year yeah yeah yeah, oh my god because yeah it has that same like hyper like that perfect way of capturing how uh i've heard people uh even people who love brett easton ellis i've heard them shit on rules of attraction yeah and I like I fucking loved it. Uh but the same way I like I love New Millennium Boys too. I was well, like you. uh Yeah, that that that's that hyper emotion is on purpose. Which he's is like, like that. Duh, it's on purpose. Why would it like Brad is exactly the- like that. He's like that. Like he's that histrionic and dramatic and overfeeling. So like that's exactly like I think Rules of Attraction is probably like his memoir. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's so like that's like that's like how like that's why the shards was like such a big like having been his friend for so long, I was like, oh, okay, like you're now telling the world like you're not hiding behind anything like you're just revealing everything about yourself like that you are so sensitive and like you're not this like scary bad guy who wrote Bayman. it's like i thought that was so interesting yeah how um what's the story with you and brett being buddies um it was when i got my book deal when i was 18 
someone introduced us and then he started to post um, the things that I would say to him in emails to his Facebook. And then he started to read out the things that I would say in emails on his podcast. Like I was just an angry teenager. So I was like, I fucking hate this. Like her was the worst movie ever. Fuck Spike Jones. Like there's, you can read it online, like a review I wrote when I was 19 and he would like post about it. So that, that just kind of kept going on. And, um, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a cool dude, but I guess that's just like general Sagittarian luck. My Sag moon, Jupiter. <laughs> that's well. tight. Is that kind of how, so have you navigated a lot of your, uh, cause you have interesting ties with, I mean, Rose McGowan for wrote the foreword to your yeah, other book, Pot, Pot Magic. Magic. Yeah. Um, have you read Pot Magic, James? No, no. You need to I'm read interested. that. I'm you I'm a big occult dude, so I got Okay, or have you studied Kabbalah? I have not studied Kabbalah, so I come from the Rune Soup school. Um have you oh, have you Gordon checked out White? Rune Soup? Yeah, yeah, Gordon's my bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um so I uh I definitely go towards the chaos magic animist um geopolitically inclined uh magical astrological divinatory school yeah yeah right so a lot of tarot but all that is to say kabbalah kabbalah hasn't resonated with me yet but i don't ever put anything into a a kabbalah is the highest form of like spirituality like it's so funny you mentioned runesu because like when i was writing pop magic you'll appreciate this kelby i was trying to like kind of like fuck with people who like a lot like are very like gatekeepy about the occult or like you know, kind of nerdy about it. So like with pop magic, it was kind of like, of course, I caused a lot of drama in the occult community because they were like, pop and magic cannot, like, you know what I mean? They were like upset, you know, like, 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 how are you like reducing magic into these, this like simplified guide? But like, I kind of wanted to make like 1-800 magic because I had Mm -hmm. studied all, and you know this from reading so many magic books is that like, it's the same shit reaggregated over and over Absolutely. and over again. You're not learning new things. So it's like, okay, let's simplify this shit for people and just give them like one book that maybe if they want to go deeper into Kabbalah or whatever after that and get into the tree of life and more advanced forms of Enoki and all that shit. But like, let's just like give them a fucking guide on like how to make a sigil, how to do a candle magic spell and just like simplify that shit. And that was like really inspiring, uh, for me like was to like respond to like the over complex stuff because like some do you like the complexities of like those books or do you want to get to the root and just make it make sense yeah make it make sense actually (laughs) makes it more like practical like i've i've thought a lot because i got really into um i don't know if maybe even david got me into a cult shit i'm not sure like uh do you even know? Did I ever like? It do was you have any idea? Of I'll my, take credit for it. Pro- it. Sure, yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Probably. I was like, "Hey, oh, you do that shit? What's that about?" But um, I uh, I've always been in tune, like spiritually, like really in tune with shit. So like, I've always had kind of a gut, like psychic thing. Even yeah, of though course, I didn't you're know. fucking Pisces. You're the most psychic sign. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah. He's he's I'm, currently I'm, uh, remote viewing the NFL. Yeah, I'm remote viewing the NFL right now, trying to figure out how to turn my psychic abilities into some uh, powerful sports. Oh, you, you guys, you guys are into sports. 
No, that's why no? I, I thought uh, I thought the NFL would be. Isn't good Glenn to... Rockney obsessed with sports? That's who I'm doing it with. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Rare Candy Boys. We're, we're uh, we got a group going on with remote viewing this NFL season, and uh, I'm trying to sharpen my abilities there because I don't give a fuck about sports. So yeah, I know yeah. I'm not going to have any kind of emotional attachment or bias. So I'm yeah. just like using it to gauge my like. Abilities. Oh, that's sick! I, I love that. Yeah, I totally believe in remote viewing. Um, James, was do you, did you ever have a a real moment with magic and practicing where like you saw something materialize or like you could see that you could influence reality or the universe? Like, what? Like, did you have you ever had that come to God kind of moment with magic before? Like, where you've received I've, things. I've seen absolutely. it in the form of of synchronicities i've seen it in the form of synchronicities for sure yeah so absolutely um, absolutely i what i learned from magic whether it was through sigil work or uh spell work the synchronicities were always my guidepost for most of my adult life i've i've had in what uh psychologists would call ocd which was just a kind of uncomfortable feeling about yep. where the future was and where it was coming from yeah i learned me very too. quickly that that that's actually just untapped and unfocused um synchronistic magical impulse so oh, for me i mean wow. i have seen i've seen ghosts i've seen uh three ghosts in my life okay. like real ass ghosts um uh-huh. i've met men in black Okay. And uh, what else? What else weird shit happened? Um, but have in you been terms abducted? of men, I've not been abducted. No, I, no, I I've never like been I abducted. Have, like I feel, I, I'm yeah. not kidding. Like I feel like I have, like I have, like a weird story with like a tall gray. But like I don't have to get. Let's into go. It. No, 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 no. Let's let's <laughs> just get into that. it. What's your story <laughs> okay. with a tall gray? So, so like okay, so I like was like one night. It was just like a regular night and like before i went to like bed i like looked out the window and i swear i saw like a ufo or something right and i was like okay and i i don't know what's gonna you know i didn't think anything i was like what the fuck and then it kind of like vanished or whatever so i go to sleep that night and it's like a mix of like the sub sleep sleep paralysis out of body i'm totally remote viewing i'm not in this dimension something fucking weird is happening And I'm like in like a CT scan type fucking weird machine thing. And I'm like, and there's these like cold beings who have like no care for me. And they're like, like literally chipping me. Like that's like what I, what up from what I understand. And then I woke up the next morning with this really fucking weird pain in my leg. And then I went online and Googled it. And there were all these people who were fucking saying like, encounter with tall gray they treat you so cold they do your leg is heavy and i'm like okay have i just gone down the fucking gaia rabbit hole and i'm not i'm fucking you know in QAnon reality now and i'm not like a person or is this like really happening you know so i don't know that's my story <laughs> yeah yeah we we have a homie who uh we uh he, he's part of the broken river crew so part of the group chat that we keep uh-huh. up with like kind of every day and he's always like uh he doesn't believe in anything because he's like how can you validate it but at the same time listens to it all because it's the same like uh how would you put it like with simmons he's he's always like see that's why i don't like he'll bring up all these conspiracies well, he's, and then be like he, yeah 
and then be like that's why i don't believe in it because it's like how would you know and it's like that's the kind of well, when you experience that kind of shit it's like i mean you know yeah. this is what happened I yeah guess. yeah simmons simmons is an interesting case because he's jewish and studied the kabbalah for his new book and comes out the other end he's like no i don't know i don't know anything and i was like what uh, the hell weird <laughs> yeah but i'm like fake uh, jewish like in the way like madonna's jewish but like like, <laughs> like like but if you have that real kabbalah blood you better believe you better be scanning i don't know do the, turkish do turkish jews have kabbalah blood i guess maybe i mean i feel like anyone is, is if he has a parent from israel or something they they tell us that's let's like do a little race science here let's, let's race figure science out the, yeah <laughs> race, that's no, becoming a new segment on the show yeah <laughs> race science. um oh my god uh but no kelby's 100 percent right when it comes to people who say I don't know what's true because how can you validate it? That that's materialist sickness and it is turning yeah, your back Malhut. on your own subjectivity. Yep. It's what yeah. Malhut on the tree of life, earth, the lowest plane, like in Kabbalah, oh, right. it's the, like, earth, it's, we're in the, it's the low, it's a low tier reality. It's such a material, like, like that's probably the most unhappiest I've ever felt when I was like very depressed and like, godless and like materialist and like just like i like suffocating in, in the material world like as soon as i started to open up to the upper world spirituality and all that type of stuff and sub i mean the only way that you can really like manifest real like if you want to really manifest really great things in your life you have to really go within yourself and alchemize the negative traits into positive traits like our astrology is only here to teach us like our autopilot traits that have to be converted it's not like i'm a sagittarius i i i I get in screaming matches with people all the time and that's just who i am it's like no you're supposed to change that that's why you have that if that's your gift that's your opportunity to alchemize but people don't talk about that what did you alchemize oh my god so much inner negativity like i've of course i've i've been diagnosed with ocd and things like that and multiple things like that and OCD, like ident- over-identifying with it and attaching to it, it really drove me fucking crazy in my early teens, yeah. late teens. And like, I was on Yahoo Answers asking all the fucking questions and like, you know what I mean? Like, just like Reddit, like anon accounts being like, what am I going to do? And I'm, I'm like, I'm not fucking taking Luvox. I have to figure it out. So I, when I started meditating and I started to realize, oh, okay, like my mind like all of this shit is just like white noise on a tv it's just like i'm just observing it you know it's not that deep you know like of course intrusive imagery i, I don't give a fuck about anymore like i'm so desensitized that it's just like whatever i just try to use it for art if, if it has serves any purpose but alchemize i probably alchemize like a lot of things like uh, fear scarcity lack over workaholicism uh comparison all of that all like a lot of things i don't think i could have gotten to the point where I am today with you guys talking about new millennium boys. If I hadn't had done the magical work that was required for the big manifestation that I wanted to create in the world. Did you know Can't that fluvoxamine is a, did you know that fluvoxamine is an, is a COVID cure? It's actually oh. one of the best, better, better than uh, ivermectin is uh, oh, fluvoxamine. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. That's something that regulates your serotonin. I think yeah. is it a serotonin? Yeah, uh, actually, is a 
cure for COVID. Um, no, that's really, what kind of OCD do you, or did you have? Oh, like violent images, sex, um, like, like, um, everything, like just like fear, death, catastrophizing. My brain was like a fucking like horror film. I, I couldn't even really watch horror films or anything like that because it would just loop and loop and loop and loop. So like, mm-hmm. I guess in the book, if there's like a level of repetition, I'm trying to like mimic the way that like my brain was probably working at the time that I was writing it. And then through the years of just like, com- like, a, like compulsions, like a addictive personality, like struggling with addiction, all that type of stuff. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking crazy for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my OCD man, the, the worst OCD that I have is bad things happening to people that yep, I care yep. about or myself. Yep. That's yep. first. Yeah. And then second is a weird one that in all of my online, uh, medical research, you know, getting my internet PhD and in OCD, um, I haven't seen very much of, which is that I have an intense fear that I'm going to switch bodies with somebody and that I'm going oh, to wow. become a different person. That's so, very fascinating. Yeah. If I see a person um, for this example, although this isn't really accurate to how it works, uh, if I were to see a homeless person who was covered in their own vomit and shit and strung out. Uh, oh I yeah would, yeah i get that yeah, yeah no no i totally yeah. get this i totally I would, get this. like yeah. what if we switched bodies yeah, yeah and i yeah. was still me but i was yeah. in that like person. you would take it on like you would take on that experience and be like what yeah. if that's going to become me or what if i fuck up on this and then i become that moment and yeah i get that too 100 yeah. percent, totally yeah yeah and then i realized that all of that is a well it's what i said earlier about the synchronicities but the other thing that I think it is, is a literalized fear of very normal change, basically change that everybody goes through. I think that the idea of, um, because sometimes the OCD will flare up when I'm going to pick up dinner from a Mexican restaurant or something. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. And it's like, why is it flaring up now? It's like, Oh, because I'm about to leave my house. I'm going to get in my car. And these are all moments of microscopic change and fear oh of that yeah, tiny yeah. Change, oh yeah for sure for sure know, of is course the like, bigger change did you ever have the house intruder fear like where you would check the locks like a hundred times yes oh yes 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 totally. yeah, I've, yeah i've yeah that was like that was like actually a part of like the original manuscript with aurora like i tried to like talk about that like she was like a very paranoid manic pixie dream curl type character on the show they kind of changed it a lot which is fine but um like yeah i tried to express it exactly like that that feeling of like claustrophobia and suffocation in your own mind and going crazy and yeah and like um compulsions and all that yeah totally ocd ocd um but i find i agree with you though like i think the kind of cure for for it is to sort of not identify with it and then i found that out when reading like brain lock or some fucking book i bought off amazon and i was like oh wow the fact that you have to accept the possibilities and your brain feels okay now. Why did it take me 10 years to realize that? <laughs> okay. Fuck. But as soon oh, as I lucky. did, it yeah, works. It works. Yeah. It really works. Good. 10 years yeah. is good. I think mine really started uh, in my late teens. Me too. Um, although I think I remember as far back as some of my earliest memories go, I do remember having the, 
step on a crack and break your mother's back fear taking that really seriously yeah yeah and thinking yeah, I, oh shit i can't step on these cracks i'm gonna break my mom's back yeah yeah thing. yeah um, that's that's very common I, yeah yeah but i think that i think that late teens is really interesting i wanted to talk about there's a this goes back to something that i was talking about with new millennium boys at the beginning of the conversation but i i did want to go into this a little bit um when brad is outed let's say yeah uh, for lack of a better term there's a very simple line in his speech that he gives where he says i don't want to be seen in fragments yeah that's very interesting coming from it's 2000 is it 2001 at this it's point? 2000 it's 2000 still okay mm-hmm. um because he doesn't make it to 2001 no. Is that how that works? Yeah. Well, well, um, I mean, apparently everyone has all these different fucking interpretations. Some people don't think the suicide happened. Some people think Lou made the webpage was all a, a game that Lou never did the shooting. I've heard crazy ass interpretations about this book that I never fucking have even thought of. I, like, I assumed the worst. I assumed everything happened. Me too. I also just a, just a quick. Yeah, that's really weird that people like make a, wait, what happened? Like, oh, I, I didn't know Nothing that that bad. could be an interpretation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I laughed at the end. I, t- I told David, I was like, this book is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about me. But <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I mean, I think it's 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 it, it really like satires that. But yeah, the fragments thing was because I did some research on this. Um, it was starting like if you guys caught when Lou is like later Firewire, Firewire was the cord to complete to convert your home videos and with the fucking windows to our desktop to like bring your home video tapes to the computer and snapshots and things like that like that's how he he got he made the website of brad uh, the the bradexposed.com thing which was kind of inspired by parisexposed.com the paris hilton um scandal yeah. Yeah. and um i was trying to make a commentary on cancel culture and how um what like when we grow up and come of age we do things that we think are in private and also uh hazing this happens all the time with hazing like they're like like a video will leak or something and the kid will kill himself it always happens and then there were always uh tyler clementi and all that type of stuff so it's not just like a metaphor it's a metaphor for anything that we associate with shame growing up as teenagers um i have a question now for you guys on this topic because this is what i want to ask you guys did you guys figure out that the videotapes were things happening that I don't show in the narrative? They're not from yeah. the clips. Okay, yeah. thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some no, people, totally. yeah. okay, some people think that it's like the Manson stuff film and the fucking, no, the whole point that- Yeah, because I went I'm, back. I went back looking. I was trying, I was, I actually went back and looked, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Because- um it is something really like scary and bad that happened on it, you know, and we all get to project our own ideas of what it is. Um, you know, maybe it's something close to the West Memphis three, maybe it's something closer to, to like, you know, it's something horrible, obviously mm-hmm. that he's freaking mm-hmm. out about. But um, yeah, I'm just like a lot of zoomers who've read the book are like, Oh, like, it's just like the clips from all the videotapes they were taping in the book. No, because like, it's no. so much heavier than that. It's <laughs> so much you, heavier than thank that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Fuck yeah. yeah. And that's 
Let's that's go. I had to go back. I went back two or three times, dude, uh, looking for what it was. I was like, wait, what was, I mean, it wasn't, that wasn't that bad, yeah. but yeah, no, no. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I wasn't tripping about that. Yeah, you were that's right. Cool. Kelby, did you when figure it, out that they were in the narrative too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank God. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, um, I, I don't usually read books in this like heavily critical way i just like kind of let them wash all yeah, over yeah. Me. but because of so much of the like the the you know the the way it was pushed to me like by your publicist how it came yeah, yeah. and all this I, i've had that mode kind of on the whole time of like yeah okay what's going on what is this actually trying to say and then uh especially the way it was presented, which I'm assuming is to like, no shade at your publicist for not knowing yeah, yeah. That, that we're cool. We're down, you know, yeah. but like uh, having to like preamble all this shit and me thinking like, Oh man, I hope this book isn't lame. Like, yeah, yeah. And so like digging for that media content. I was, oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Like the whole kind of like, campaign all of it's like a big mind trick like it's all just jedi magic like it's just like i'm just like like even the fact that i put like a y2k like types 311 sticker cut i'm like i'm tricking everyone into thinking they're getting into this thing that's gonna make them feel really euphoric and good and all that type of stuff and it's just it's not it's not it's not bad <laughs> no, yeah yeah no it's not I, can i ask another question for you guys because you guys are what brett calls mm -hmm. smart readers so so um <laughs> oh, smart boy. readers are, are important important to me um because there's a lot of dumb readers out there and god god bless them too because they make me laugh my ass they, off they buy books yeah and, and they them. buy books yeah, <laughs> we, we need, need, we need the dumb readers too <laughs> but um so it's very interesting gen z has a lot of empathy for shane's character even even when he molests the kid at the water park and it's interesting because the way that i put it was that i was kind of setting all of you guys up into thinking that he's like this like victimized martyr and then i kind of wanted him to sh show a level of evil that he hadn't yet that all of the other boys have shown so um what did you guys think of that like did you feel sorry for him like or what do, what do you feel about it you want me to go first, Kelby? Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, yeah. go first. All right, cool. So Shane's character is really interesting. And the I'd never felt sorry for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that says something about me. Or yeah, if yeah. That says something about the way that the book is written. Okay, and cool. The way that it's all kind of coming at you in this way. I think that um, the way that his death was handled might be the reason why the zoomers reacted the way that they did because i think that they have a lot of operating systems that work uh they're coded towards uh you know people being bullied and rejected and all this mm -hmm, kind of stuff mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and i think it makes there's, he didn't mean to okay, do that he, that exactly so here's cool. here's the thing here's the thing it's it, what's so interesting about uh zoomer cancer can't not cancer cancel culture in general is uh is its incoherence uh okay yeah yeah it's its ability to amplify uh certain things that are worthy of somebody potentially actually legitimately killing themselves over and things that are just little whoopsies um yeah so yeah no i mean i it didn't um 
when I read it, I thought, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah. He's just, he's, in my opinion, I mean, that's, well, it's probably not worse than a school shooting, but, or whatever it is that they did, but it's, it's pretty, still fucking pretty fucking horrifying bad. and horrible. Yeah. It was a horrible, heinous act of, of violence. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Kobe? The only, uh, yeah, I was, uh, um, I think the only empathy that I carried with Shane was like that front porch yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, rejection shit. Like that's where I felt like the rejection. And that's probably where like uh, maybe a lot of the Zoomer reaction, like they just carry that empathy mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. But I like kind of like I resonate with him in that moment. But no, I never even even from the get go before he does anything really. And he's just like they're chilling and he's all depressed all the time yeah and they're like dogging on him hardcore i was that friend who was like dogging on that dude hardcore yeah, so yeah. i was uh, yeah, like exactly. my de- you know friends being depressed whatever I'm like bro shut up yes we know mm-hmm. you're sad <laughs> yeah, you can never shut it up about be, it <laughs> you consider that it might be because you are gay have yeah have you ever that? thought about that it might be because you're <laughs> gay so bro. yeah no 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 exactly i think um yeah, I think I think that like what what do you guys think of the way that I depicted the way that teenage boys look at girls and like when like in the sexual fantasies and stuff like do you feel that was realistic? Super reminded ag- me of uh, uh, just really quick. It reminded me of uh, Alyssa Nutting's uh, Tampa. Was it Tampa? No, I was about to say Miami. Uh, yeah, uh, no, it was yeah, Tampa. It's ta- it yeah, was Tampa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read Tampa by Alyssa? No, Nutting? no. She has a. Uh, it's about. Uh, a high school teacher who's female who molests her male students and uh she has these crazy fantasies there's this one where like uh the student that she's lusting after in her fantasies like godzilla he's like as huge as a city yeah he takes his enormous godzilla dick and just like crushes her with it so i was getting (laughs) uh, ridiculous i was getting those vibes from it for sure it was really hard yeah sorry continue no no i was gonna say that uh uh when it comes to the fantasies, that felt really accurate for me. That felt super accurate to my cum splattered high school years, you know, of just being as just like my fantasies were like that for sure. It know? also yeah. felt like if it felt honest in a way, it's like different seeing it on a page because all that shit didn't feel satirical, even though it does also have this theatric, like mm. theatrical fantasy what is fantasy it's all like depictions of uh yeah yeah. fantasies of these characters yeah but that is one of those things it's like you think about it in real life it's like i mean that's harmless but on the page it's like you're in you're going into these characters minds and you're like oh shit you know it's that kind of shit they would uh, not want to like people know uh, that they're thinking when he was jerking to uh wild things i was like been there buddy oh that, that so i'm really happy yeah i had i had to do that i had i had to do the wild thing scene I had everybody to beat everybody beats a wild things dude i mean <laughs> yeah that, was, that video that vhs was always fucking checked out at the super video <laughs> yeah who <laughs> was always hot and like fucking yeah, yeah. it was like yeah scramble and like when you like, see the title words. anymore it was just like you know it was it was aisled ings you know because there was Oh, I don't know yeah, why they're that's... jizzing on the tape. That's a weird. <laughs> that's so, it's like I can't so... do it. I can't do it to just the movie. I have to beat off on the tape. Did, Otherwise, did it doesn't it, work did, for me. That's so funny. Did it creep you guys out? Like in the Manson snuff film, like how like childlike Shane became 
like um like how like like if you can kind of make the connection now which is weird because like with magic and writing like I didn't even realize the connection until I finished the book but it's kind of interesting that like he's playing like a victim of like mm -hmm. uh like and then he was victimized like he's mm -hmm. like trying to like control his own abuse through the snuff film mm -hmm. yeah no that worked yeah yeah that, tracks, that was weird sure. yeah yeah <laughs> i like it i also i i just i dig how this uh uh you're great to have on podcasts because you just come in interviewing the, the hosts about your shit oh no no for sure i'd love to ask you guys questions i have so many questions for sure I love That's you guys' good. podcast. This is this is this is a fucking magical uh, grid right now. Honestly, I feel like I manifested you too. You're just like yo. Uh, you want to hear something crazy, dog? So check this out. Uh, I was going to pick up Mexican food about 30 minutes before this this started, and I was yeah. like, "Fuck, I got to get back. I got to make sure I'm there. I got to start up the podcast, all this kind of stuff." And as I was getting into my car, I'm not bullshitting you. I had a vision. Not exactly of what we said, but I was like, yeah. I'm going to talk to Alex about OCD. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, yeah, no, was... no. I mean, no, I mean, it just makes sense. Like you just got to download, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, it's because like, if all three of us have practiced magic, if I've done evocations to get on this podcast, things like that, you know, it's just gonna, we're going to just be surrounded by that kind of grid, you know? And like, it's just going to inform it. But yeah, it's, it's really yeah, it's it's very interesting to um, connect on that level about those. Do so you think because it, it it's kind of interesting for me with the Venus retrograde right now because I forgot how that like level of identification with OCD as a teenager was probably why the book also took so long and why I stalled on so much stuff. Like was because OCD was mm. such a big battle. So this is sort of like the universe trying to show me like, oh, okay, that's a Hydra beast that you you slayed like as like a Herculean. I, I'm I'm obsessed with Hercules. Like I really relate to Hercules. <laughs> Every man should relate to Hercules. I mean, I just think that um like uh it like uh Hercules is like a sigil for me. Like I like to use him as like a metaphor, or like a an evocation, like to channel his energy to like because I don't want to be like a little bitch when life's challenges come, you know. So I feel like it's like, bring it on. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to slay this fucking beast. It's a fucking Hydra beast. I'm playing a fucking N64 game and this is the fucking Hydra beast and I'm going to fucking kill it. You know, that's, I actually burned a, this is so funny. I burned a DVD of the gameplay of the Hercules uh, N64, eh, no PlayStation one game. You guys know it? it was yes. Big in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. I, play, I played this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So like, and then, so like, I'll watch it. And like, if I'm going through a, something like a challenge in my life, I'll like visualize myself as that character, like beating it and like the reward and the dopamine and all that. And so, yeah, it's like you can use video games as like a hyper sigil as a way to like uh, affect the world for sure. That's powerful. Yeah, that's that's cool <laughs> shit, too. Like I am I I, um, I project I like imbued a little statue of Pikachu with the um, with Jupiter so like like the jupiter essence that's so, so sick like, i have like a zeus slash pikachu idol that sits at the top of my altar that's so fucking yeah totally that's that's amazing having those like avatars of our energy and like different assets of our psyche yeah totally dude like i love things like that i think 
it's always good to have charms and, and good luck. And I mean, I, oh, sick. What was that? This this is Hermanibus. There is uh, one known statue <laughs> in the Vatican. I got a 3D printed. I did it at my old job three or four years ago. So it is a amalgamation, right? Of uh, yeah, yeah. Her, Hermes and Anubis, right? That's Who fucking both psych- sick. They're both psychopomps. So this is my psychopomp. He hangs out with me uh, while I podcast. And he always faces north. So you need to be facing that way, buddy. <laughs> oh, dude, but, yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, this shit works, you know? And that's what I try to tell people about magic. I was like, even if, you know, and even astrology, like, you know, if even if you're a fucking skeptic and you don't believe in the metaphysical aspects of things, think of it that you have order out of chaos. You have an opportunity to use language to make sense of facets of your psyche and your self to, to improve and evolve. Like we didn't just come here to like fucking disintegrate. We came here to be our highest version of ourselves. And I think with age, like, I don't know if I mean, like, like I feel like when I was younger, like, when I would, because I was working on a book about an era that was very trendy and popular and stuff, like it almost felt like every time I would like get little knocks from the universe, like I'd walk into a restaurant and like save tonight, but you go, Hey, we'll be playing. And I'm like, fuck that. You know, like, like I, like I was constantly reminded that I have to do this by the universe. I have to finish. This is my divine will. I've committed to this. And it's like, you'll, you guys know, like when you, do magic and like you go off your spiritual guidance your path chaos and darkness comes you know you have to go back into alignment to get things flowing again yeah no 100 percent. that's like with the uh i've i've tried to get really into astrology because i used to we used to have a homie who like just he saw my chart once and i could just hit him up and he'd be like telling me, well, yeah, that's because, you know, it's making sense that you and David are helping each other out because, you know, David's a Sagittarius and Sagittarius is in your eighth house and yada, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just like pulled this out of his head. What He did like a lot of, uh, uh, he did like tarot readings and chart readings for the cartel was like a a, okay. a, a trade that oh, he sick. did. Um, he wasn't a gang member like he it was a kind of this trade that he did for medicine he needed for this illness that ended up taking him but he uh i used to have him who i could just hit up so in that that shit i saw it like i'm kind of an empiricist where i believe in what i see and being a very into in pisces i've seen a lot of wild shit and like yeah, yeah. whenever he would help me chart like astrologically like you know help me through things with mm-hmm. astrology yeah i was like oh shit this is really good shit because it's kind of like and the way i just put it to like people who don't like those kind of people who are like well i don't know if i believe in that i'm like okay i am a like believe in what you want type of person yeah, but yeah also when sure. it comes to astrology i'm like that's like saying you don't believe in weather like <laughs> yeah 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 because oh venus retrograde doesn't mean like this is what's going to happen to you it's like when it's raining you can go walk out and dance in it you can decide yeah, we to have stay the in free will and the divine will you know? of how to wield the energy exactly we're not a victim of astrology yeah the the first time that i met isaac was at a house party uh in texas it was in san antonio and 
So I'm at this party and everybody looks normal except for Isaac because he's got uh, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which okay. makes him very thin, extremely thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes his skin uh, very loose and it also affects his internal organs, which is what oh. killed him. But when oh. I met him, he was wearing this long fur coat and a suit in zebra stripes. He had a patch over his eye because he'd already gone blind in one eye. And he was carrying around a big coffin in his hand, what? about the size wow. of a shoebox. The coffin was covered in glitter. It was silver glitter. And inside that coffin, he had tarot cards. And he cool. was pulling them and talking wow. to people. One of the coolest motherfuckers I've ever met. I used to talk to him almost every day. That's um, so authentic. Yeah. Yeah, he was a he was a really cool guy. And he lived in Tucson. He was uh, best buds with, um, what's the name of that artist? goes by nobody now um he's a black dude who wears the a black mask there was a movie that he Space was in. Burp? no no, no. Ski? What was his name? oh oh he was like a blues musician he was oh, uh no, no. Space goes burp. <laughs> <laughs> i do like space yeah. goes perp though yeah space yeah, goes yeah. perp is uh, with space, goes space goes perp like originated so much that's something that's interesting to me in art by the way uh is the fact that you can have somebody like space goes perp and everybody's on his nuts and taking from him and a lot of people still don't give him the flowers for originating so much of the shit like i was listening to brazilian funk p-h-o-n-k the other day yeah and i was like oh this has uh perp origins <laughs> yeah i love i love making those uh connections too james i just realized uh you know like when someone asks you a question earlier and then it kind of like burns the subconscious of your mind and you get the, like you start to remember you asked me what was the hardest thing to research like or figure out about that era was figuring out which porn star name to reference <laughs> that drove me insane did you know the one i did I don't remember what was it. Um, fuck. Uh, it was was it Stacy Valentine? Maybe no? no. I think back then I was watching Brianna Banks. Brianna and... Banks was one of them on the list. Fuck. Yeah. But that. Yeah. But I heard that was like oh one oh two. Right. Right. Yeah. So that would have been a bit later in the two thousands. I think. Okay. So around nineteen ninety nine two thousand, I was not quite into porn yet because i would okay. have been 13 for i was still oh, what? Beating that's it to, uh... at 13 with the, with well the it was a, it was a okay so it was a technology issue yeah our, internet, just that yeah. I our internet loaded I faster when i was 13 yeah yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I was buying maxim magazines and you know uh whoever was in Ma- jessica alba right? did you know wild that out have... tropics on e the e-channel mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. where they right. would show like yeah. jenna jameson and stuff like that yeah that didn't right. make the book so, guys but we tried <laughs> so in that era yeah i was definitely watching a lot of e i was watching um i recorded a vhs of desperado that played on usa because okay. they didn't censor out the side of Selma Hayek's boob. And uh, my dad actually walked in on me beaten off to that. That's a memory that sticks with you forever. Yeah, I'm the sure whole it house was does. empty. It was one of those things, dude. It was like the whole house was empty. I was like, I made myself some hot chocolate. I was ready to go. Dude. Like, and I finally laid down and I hear the door open 
and the door to the living room was just a straight shot like you could just see everything and i did the classic uh roll on my belly and yeah. pretend like i was asleep with my pants like right here <laughs> and i'd kind of like pulled them up and he got in and i was like hey dad what's up he knew he fucking knew but knew. later on i would catch my dad shaving his nuts in the mirror so we we each had the dirt yeah, you guys had your, your formative moments. We had with a, each other. <laughs> a kind of uh, Epstein mutual black book type situation yeah, going on. Yeah. Holy <laughs> fuck. That is fucking. You are definitely a Sagittarius. You're funniest sign ever. Oh my God. All the Sages I know are so fucking funny. But um, yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Then I guess I'll have to ask someone else. But yeah, that was definitely very difficult because I, I couldn't just put like Jenna Jameson or something. I wanted to put like something like unique you know like I, was, sure. I was trying to like really like make it like gourmet like finesse it out you know like right. i was like this this reference has I, I looked through like hours of like listings and choosing like what's the popular name of this era it was hard man but uh yeah you, you, but you obviously were on like tube sites when you were like 17 and stuff or, no not 17 oh like, totally 19 no, no yeah, i 20 okay so basically what happened was how um, old are you? <laughs> how the fuck old are you? I was born in 1986. So okay, perfect. um uh when I I got kicked out of my house the day I turned 18. Um and I lived with a friend of mine and his parents had pretty good internet. So I was on tube sites. It was so funny, dude, because talk about getting caught by older people. My buddy's dad would wake up at like three in the morning to play EverQuest before he had to go to work. And so he and I would be like tagging each other in on that computer. Like I would be done downloading <laughs> pictures and four minute clips and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would wake up and he'd be like, go to bed. And I'd be like, all right, cool. Yep. And I would get up and dap him in and then he would start playing EverQuest. But so around, so 18 would have been, 2004 or five or something like that so yeah by that point i definitely had uh, mostly what i tried to do dude around the early 2000s yeah i was trying to mac on aim that's oh, yeah, it yeah. i tried I to just, capture that in the book because yeah, that came up so much in research mm -hmm. in my life yep. like that's how a lot of guys told me that's when they started to get laid when aim started to happen yeah, did that didn't happen for me but i was definitely trying to <laughs> mac on aim for sure <laughs> Um, that was my and, that was my uh, older and ICQ. for sure yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's so funny yeah. kelby because i feel like you know the feeling of what it was like to be a, a kind of child or a young boy and be mystified by your older uncles or siblings and like watching them in scenarios that are super y2k and it's seeming just like so enchanting and like mysterious at that time and it still lives in your subconscious like that yeah for sure like i have that kind of affinity for that era because even though i was like technically like at that specific moment like i was mm -hmm. like super young yeah i grew up with the people who were growing up in that because i grew up with all my like cousins and uncles who like some of them i lived with at different times and, yeah yeah like we were all and then all my friends, so I was friends with their friends. Yeah, yeah. So I always grew up with people who were like 10 years older than me. And then my parents are only like 20 years older than me. So like I had a weird 
yeah, generational yeah, relationship sure. to that shit, you know? For sure. Like you can like, yeah, like see a guy like smoking out of like an orange glass pipe in a slipknot shirt, like, you know, in a basement yeah. somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you Absolutely. have those things in your like subconsciousness. Yeah, that's that's funny. Uh what we were just talking about. I've I've been talking about with like a lot of millennial guys. It's kind of funny, like millennials versus zoomers when it comes to porn, like they're never gonna know what it was like like in 07 06 08 09 of like when all the guys were like watching all the same things and like going to the same sites and seeing the same things like they're never gonna know that because they're like watching like different only fans girls and tiktok girls and like there's like no mm. like more porn stars anymore like they don't exist kind of so like I, it's kind of interesting because like that that's a part of the monoculture thing of like everything dissipating you know like even that <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's... every everybody saw lemon party everybody saw two girls one cup <laughs> yeah um, uh -huh. i even i mentioned on an episode a few um weeks ago this video that i saw it was a snuff gore movie that i saw in the early 2000s of a russian uh, a russian soldier having his throat cut out Damn. and i had thought that i had dreamed it because i can't find it anywhere on the internet was it on and... style project I have no, no, I got it. I think I got it off of Kazaa or something like that. Oh, okay. That was like 03, 04 then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it was, uh, and a lot of people hit me up. They're like, no, I saw that too. So it's not a Mandela effect thing. That was, that was real. So porn and gore was really big. Uh, Two Girls, One Cup was huge. Tub Girl was huge. Did yeah. you see Tub mm -hmm. Girl in your research? No, all? no, I didn't see that. Okay. So Tub Girl was a girl in a tub who asian girl yeah and she has her legs up over her head okay and she is uh spraying hot chili diarrhea up into the air and onto Ooh. her own face yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that that's but that's that era you know and like that that was the part of um the internet being a part of traumatizing ourselves you know like mm -hmm. like the kind mm -hmm. of like like they talk about in the book about rotten.com and all these type of things that came up a lot in my research. And I was trying to show that like, okay, Lou and Lou and Lou can go do this because he's already so fucking desensitized already. Mm. And I was trying mm -hmm. to say, look, you guys, this is what it was like in 1999. Imagine what it was like during like the Tumblr gore blog era or something like mm -hmm. what kids who were like coming of age who were born 95, 96, like as teenagers, like there's just such a desensitization to sex and violence and i don't know like then i sometimes think about if i relate to brett in that way like am i like a moralist by by bringing up these issues and then i'm like i don't know sometimes because i'm like because i guess there was a sense of fear because i wasn't participating in those things like those things freaked me out in a lot of ways i was participating in porn but like not the gore stuff like you know mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure well, well and, and in oh go, sorry go i was gonna say and in creating a book like this you it's now like, um, well, you have publicists trying to moralize it for you, right? <laughs> trying to be like, okay, so the point of it is because now you've created something that depicts certain things. Even oh, the publicist like, said that in the meetings. They're like, we have to be extremely careful about how we market this book. It has to be very specific the way we talk about it. You know, like, it's not like I could be like, here, this is what it is, whatever. It's like, it does, like, require like a level of like over explaining to get a level of exposure you know to get things going you know yeah, yeah, so yeah. i have to play that game a bit but i totally know what you mean like if it 
Yeah, exactly. Like that's a, that's a byproduct of this era that we're living in. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think about art? Like this is something we've brought up on the show okay, cool. a, a yeah. lot because we talk about and we enjoy and we create a lot of fucked up shit. So yeah. what is your, like to that kind of era, the whole like Marilyn Manson inspired Columbine and like yeah, yeah. Grand Theft Auto makes kids want to go. Oh, you're saying like what, what, it, what, like what ended up being my statement after like, like what, what ended up being my realization after studying yeah, yeah, the media's yeah. influence on it. I definitely do believe it, you know, and I, and when I was a teenager, I didn't, I was actually trying to set out to show, Oh no, but I do think it does. Um, pump up steroids into certain people who are unwell who are not able to to or equipped and are to handle the, these type of things it might they might access something in them it's like you know with satanism or like levee it's like i know so many young girls who have like destroyed their lives by playing with the satanic bible and like to this day their lives are fucked so it's like you know it's like it's like um is the satanic bible then inherently bad i don't know but it it's just about how the person internalizes it. You know, like I think with Eric and Dylan, I think they were already so unwell and depressed and alienated that their way of like removing themselves to reality, playing Doom, watching MBK, watching the Nine Inch Nails Closer video, gore tape, snuff film, all these type of things, it just enhanced their reality. That's not gonna that's not to say that everyone who goes see Scream is gonna go become Ghostface. But it does happen. Some people do. Like, it's just the reality of it. And I'm fascinated by that. I think you're right. I think that I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's the conclusion that we came to as well. I do play GTA with my kid who's two. And I can't get any missions done because he just keeps asking me to steal red cars. The red car, another red car. Um, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And I think that people who say that uh, you know, artists like Marilyn Manson or Doom or whatever have no effect on people are being disingenuous. Although I will say, you know, you brought up the Satanic Bible. You have to also bring in what the regular Bible has done too. You know what I mean? So it's kind oh, of yeah, one yeah, of those for sure. Morality where... and dogma. Like, I mean, like the, the Spanish like, Inquisition, they would put yeah. things in people's pussies and, and just spread them until they yeah. split in half. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. people people find a way. So I'm I'm of the camp that on the one hand, it's disingenuous to say that it has no effect. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, they were probably going to they were going to do. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. They had it in them. And it and it, yeah. and then it made it maybe it awakened an impulse or anything. But of course, like, I don't believe in like the idea of like like um being controlled by a dogma or a rule book or, or things like that and i think um i mean particularly with manson because i i have had like a, a personal friendship with him over the years luck uh and to see the way his life has paved out i actually think i have a lot of conspiracy theories about it from a magical perspective i think that during antichrist superstar he did magic with levey um that was very dark and that he focused a lot of energy on darkness and dark energies and low vibrational things. And he made deals with entities and it kind of came back to him because he is the most haunted person that I've ever encountered in my life. Go For on. sure. <laughs> what? Go on. Like, in Go like, on. like in like when we first started like talking, like I would like, I'm not even kidding, like fall like in the middle of the day and get like sleep paralysis and like, 
hear like sluggish voices. And then I would like wake up at 3 a.m. look down at my phone and he's like, wake up. And and like um, there's oh, actually I'll actually tell you guys this. Um, there's a line in the book where Lou goes to Brad, I need you to get your demons working. That's something Manson texted me. <laughs> Oh, it, and, I, and i saved it because it like haunted me forever and when he said that it was like mm-hmm. but yeah i don't I, I i'm very protected by like a lot of light angels and, and things like i'm not afraid of his energy i think he's i mean i don't i'm sad about the allegations and all of that shit and all that craziness but bro like everyone read the long hard road out of hell like we all knew what he was about. yo i bought that you know shit at I mean? hot topic dude i bought that shit at hot topic exactly and I, I love that book to this day i also oh my really god like that book An- is so anthony kiedis's uh scar tissue those were the two musician books that i really liked i like scar tissue and the long road out oh of yeah for sure scar tissue was a big deal but long hard road out of hell was just he's an amazing fucking writer and i don't know how much neil strauss wrote it but like he he would tell me though that like he's written fiction that's like more fucked up than like any gore or anything that exists like he's like he had he had like manuscripts and stuff like that and like notebooks of ideas and things but yeah i mean i love his paintings like it's very hard for me to like just completely like distant like uh disconnect myself from him because his art to me is so fucking powerful like it's just so empowering but, uh, what yeah. what are the allegations against him? Just I'm not like sure I the, know about this. Like the rape stuff and Evan Rachel Wood and you know all that. And then I have a lot of mutual friends at the motel, like who say it's all fake and it's not real. And I feel really sorry for him and all this. So it's just, it's very difficult on how to manage mm-hmm. and how to handle it. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really wish that I like none of that happened because I I would want to give him this book. That's kind of like mm-hmm. a, I think he would enjoy Lucif a lot because he probably encountered <laughs> freaky boys like that all the time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. The, there's a lot of Marilyn Manson fanboys in that era who were like weird, you know, like obsessed with them. Right. Twiggy too. One, one of the weirdest cancellation attempts that I can remember in the same vein as Marilyn Manson was Maynard who, you know, tools. Yeah. From book. tool. Um, there was a girl who said, uh, you know, I I went to the Tool concert and he picked me out of the front row. He pointed at me and then I went to his tour bus and then he had sex with me. What? So what well, was, I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot of revisionist <laughs> history. There's a lot of revisionist history right now, you know, and I think yeah. that a lot of people, um, the way that I kind of explain it, which you guys might like, is that like, like the people who are behind the trl gate like with the magazine like wishing that they could ever have like the attention of like what celebrities get on mtv are now like the stars of today you know like the Mm -hmm. the audience are now the stars so it's like any way that they want to like insert themselves to get their Mm -hmm. five minutes or 15 minutes Mm -hmm. is like a part of that like pain of like i never got my moment when stardom really mattered so like i'm gonna just like insert myself into like you know becoming a tiktok star or something in the like story that. right yeah totally mm-hmm. i have you seen the artist uh brad Tremell? are you familiar with his work yeah i i was texting him the other night oh well yeah. there we go okay, maddie cool. healy loves him a lot yeah so he's done a series recently on this on fan relationships to artists specifically with um taylor swift comes to mind and yeah 
Doja Who Cat. you also know. <laughs> I've met Taylor through magic. Yeah. You know Taylor but, uh, Swift? Yes. At the I reputation can't think tour. of a single I can't think of a single Taylor Swift song. But I That's know what so she cool. looks like. That's so cool, dude. You are out of the matrix. You win at life. We're going to give you all the flowers. You won. You won, I you won the anti-culture roar. You know, it's I over won. now. I won. Yes. You won. Is, the, know, is there because... a monetary aspect to this prize or is it just uh, bragging rights? No, it's like an eternal level of uh, fucking coolness forever. Well, you get to I go to take heaven. That down. You get to go yeah, to I'll, heaven. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that down a notch because I do no. know Doja Cat songs. And that was uh, one of, it's really funny. She has this song that goes like, uh, I'm a bitch, I'm a boss. And my son loves it. So he walks around the house, little two-year-old guy going, bitch, boss. Beast, boss, beast, oh my boss. god um but uh <laughs> that's so cute did he hear it on TikTok? So, oh my god how the fuck did he hear it no my wife played it for him oh we, okay we have we have some real issues with age-appropriate stuff that my kid's getting exposed to but um <laughs> but so uh brad tremel though was uh talking about taylor swift and doja cat and yeah. uh he was showing these screenshots of people responding to them and there is a real creepy sense of ownership that people have over these artists you would oh yeah like yeah yeah, yeah for sure me. for sure like the parasocial relationships yeah. that they feel with them and like I, I mean that's very that's really 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 well illustrated in perfect blue with the creepy incel mm-hmm. guy who's obsessed with mima and yeah, you, the guy looks like a hammerhead shark yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and and how he is is trying to like uh control her simulacrum through the website and and all of that they they it becomes like a form of like method like vicariously living through the trope that the person is portraying into the world it's really fucking weird dude and i I tried to show that with lucif like his obsession with manson like when he's like manson's gonna see my name like you know and all that stuff like I was trying to show that in the book, like the parasocial relationships back then it was fucking worse dude though, because like they were literally portrayed to the consciousness as like deities, like mm-hmm. Kali or fucking Shiva or something. Like they were like really like abstract and godlike in the way that you would consume information about them. Yeah, In a I, way, I, I, like in a way that shit was better as, as far as how the art felt because you could like listen to their shit or you could watch movies by whoever and it just that mystique was always there because you oh, never for sure for sure you never for knew sure. any of their opinions or anything like yeah, now yeah. to to it's the same way like you were saying with the art like uh yeah gta and uh, other shit can influence people to act certain ways but um it's like I, you know you can see them as a, a god or something and that's like ugh. but it was almost kind of a lot better well, <laughs> I, I hate think knowing like, people's I, opinions i on think shit. like back back to like when we were talking about violence like also like like i think pornography shaped a lot of men's arousal templates and and gave them an unrealistic idea of what sex is and and what women's bodies look like and all these type of things and especially like um, I think that's a big, also an example of of something that like affects human behavior as well, like versus violence as well. Like like, and I I don't think that 
some people say, oh, pornography doesn't socialize people and to act a certain way, but I think it absolutely does, especially when you learn about it at a young age. Yeah, you're like, wait, she doesn't want to get punched in the back of the head? What? She doesn't want a facial? <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Yeah. right? Like, yeah. Or like, she's not going to like be like a subordinated human object for my fantasy, like the two video I just watched. It's like, I mean... Yeah, this is why girls hate got men and the war of the sexes is happening right now. But um, yeah, exactly. I think that uh, to touch on the point about these rock stars and people back then having a kind of monoculture backed essence to them, it is really interesting in terms of archetypes. Because you mentioned Kali and Shiva. Yeah. And I do think that archetypes are um they they are they are quantum beings that yep. are waiting a kind of localization factor in the form of a human being. Kelby, don't I, I talk about this in pop magic kind of in the yeah, entities yeah, chapter? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. What if I did read it and I just started telling you weird things from your book? No, you wouldn't. Well, you that's wouldn't. that's also weird because when I when I got a copy of it, I had, uh I, I told I told you, Alex, this too. Yeah. Whenever like I got a copy of it and I flipped to a random page to kind of like I was looking at the front. I do that too. I do back, that too. Exactly. Exactly. And then yeah, I flipped to a random page to kind of see what was up, and I flipped to this page that was like I had just done a a spell of like creating my own deity. Yeah. And I flipped to this chapter talking about creating your own deity. I was like, Holy yeah, shit. That's so sick. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I've heard crazy, crazy synchronicities like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I totally agree with you, dude. Like both of you guys, I agree that like energies and entities just take on like immaterial spirits and energies take on the role of these entities when we call them on or we connect to them. And I think that um, especially like, back then um something that was like kind of not like particularly fucked up but but how like their this like abstract idea that they represented sort of like drove people like sort of insane you know like they started to believe in the illusion of the celebrity like and like we like what you guys just talked about like they committed to that illusion and it would make people have like a sense of ownership over people and that's really fucking weird. That was really horribly articulated. But yeah. I, no, I no, think that, no, not at all. I think that in the past, people did feel a sense of ownership over a celebrity, but because there was that distance, there was also a deification of them and a distance. I think that the closing of the gap and saying, oh, you know, Taylor Swift has an Instagram account just like me. That means that I can talk to her now. Is what exactly exactly it this puts moment you, really it puts them in the arena but james wouldn't you say that there's a collective sort of grief amongst your generation our generation or around the idea of how what we were socialized with in the millennium pre-internet era of how um you would sort of like succeed and blow up and like how we mm -hmm. saw so mm -hmm. many stories of the arena that accommodated stars like you know, the way novelists could just go on MTV or have an interview in Rolling Stone and sell like fucking 50,000 bucks. You know what I mean? Like things like that were just so simplified. Oh, you're in a band, get on MTV, you're a star overnight. Like these type of things that were taken from us 
through the hyperreal internet um, indoctrination of like the late 2010s, uh, early 2010s, late 2000s. And that, okay, now we realized, okay, everyone's a journalist. Everyone has a Flickr account. Everyone's a yeah. photographer. Everyone is a writer. They can pop self-publish. It was like a whole kind of thing now, right? Where we're all kind of just like one collective energy. And then we all saw like the sense of grief around, okay, well, well what's my role now when the market is so oversaturated? Because back then you would do fucking fight, fight, fight to even get your chance. But when you did get it, it the rewards were like insane. I'm of two minds of it. Okay. I think that one of the worst things that's happened because of that is that um the worst writing work got became, worse. Writing became just another job and okay. when you have a job that means that it has an HR department. And yep. so uh I I've been canceled probably five or six times by the yeah. writing world. Uh, which has only made me stronger. I thought you were about to so say 15 and I wasn't going to argue with you. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot. It's it's happened several times. Uh, so that everybody getting their 15 minutes of creative fame has definitely had a kind of uh, dulling effect on what I wanted to be which and what I still want to be, which is this kind of author that you're talking about, right? Somebody yeah, yeah, who can for just, sure write a book every year and it comes out and yeah, everybody yeah. takes care of everything for it. Um, on the other hand, the indie and self-published scene is kind of cool because I do like, it, I do like really the cool. democratization of it. You know, um, I do course. like the idea that people can become their own bosses and make a living off of writing. Do you like that the gatekeepers are gone? I do like that the gatekeepers are gone in that respect, but I also have uh, so much confidence in my talent that if this was just a submission, get like a blind submission game mm -hmm. where I could turn my shit in and have it be compared to other people, mm -hmm. uh, I'd win every single time. And yeah. so that aspect of it really bothers me where yeah. I, can't That's why. Just, I can't just compete off of how good I am. I have to do other things that I don't like. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know it's I mean? like so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, I'm trying to bring back my role. In, like, so we, um, Broken River is working on a magazine. Uh, okay. Cyberpunk magazine called Flatline. Going to be Sick. starting the crowdfunding and dropping it uh, pretty soon. Amazing. Um, my role in it is to keep, iterating that this is like i want to bring back a meritocracy culture like we're beyond the you know the sort of gatekeeping culture but and not that like I, like i don't really there's things to lament about that time period because exactly like he said like yeah if we were in that time i'd be a fucking rock star by now <laughs> yeah right but, yeah fuck yeah but uh so there's like elements to admit, but I don't want to bring it back. But what does need to come back is some kind of meritocracy factor to like bring that to the culture of where everybody's like everybody can have their shot. But how do for the sake of the artists who are, you know, on that on another level and for the yeah. sake of people who can yeah. look to somebody and be like, oh, yeah, this is like the voice of our generation, whatever. 
how do we how do we get that out of all the noise you know and uh alex did it <laughs> yeah right I, I, like, I figured it out yeah no for sure but it was a very big drop the sauce fucking, bro tell us it was how a, to do it. It, was a, it was a long uh sort of like um hades type like machiavellian plan like it was so calculating because like as you sense when you got like the pitch email you know what i mean like there's just so much work and that has gone into what of of trying to build an appealing sort of product for people and also in in the way i'm represented all that type of stuff but um I, oh my advice would be that it's it's just kind of like it's hard to say because I, I have relied a lot on cosigns and like getting help from people, you know, and like, that's been a big part, but that's always been the kind of story. Like, you know, like Trent Reznor signed Manson, you know, like there's always like someone who like puts you on, mm -hmm. but I think that a way that you can sort of break through the noise is just make something that's fucking good and make sure that word of mouth passes on and hustle and, reach out and get your work out there as much as you can through organic marketing and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, you know what I mean? Like try to get it out there. You don't need to be in the magazines or any of that stuff. Cause they don't even have any much power to, to drive you traffic. It's just vanity shit. Right. So really, I mean, I guess the TikTok lotto 649 is some way to try. I don't fucking know you dude. I'm as lost as you boys. <laughs> like it's so confusing that is that is like um we're we're always experimenting and trying to figure out like what's going to what's going to work what's going to be yeah. a thing to pop off you know yeah. and uh but maybe there is but no that more is... popping off like maybe that's like a, yeah. like a like a carrot like that we're all chasing of like dangling like maybe like uh we think that like uh like like um an indie like i feel like the indie scene i don't know much of it but i feel like they're all like really mean and like very competitive and like kind of crazy like in the indie lit world like i know that they don't really like me and they're like very suspicious about like, oh they um, yeah no they don't that that i, I took scene, a peek they don't yeah, like yeah, there's <laughs> there's another there's another indie scene that totally would that i'm that i'm in now the one that you're talking about yeah no that it's the it, same people who hate we have the same haters Oh, okay why do they hate you because we're talented? really good yes because yeah. we're really good yeah yeah because no, we talked to jack and from tpn and uh yeah. the first time they canceled me it was because i said that uh i went on tpn was that bad <laughs> to them yes um <laughs> why don't educate because... me don't tell me don't tell me don't tell me i'm scared don't tell no, me no jack jack hasn't done anything wrong Jack's oh, okay, a genius. Okay. we, we I love mean, jack He's yeah, welcome. He's, I've loved my, fucking Jack. I love yeah, talking yeah. to Jack at seven. He's yeah, learned, yeah, yeah, but to them, he's you know a neo fascist, which is hilarious. What? Right? How? Um, it's exactly it's, okay. right. Exactly, exactly, exactly how. But here's the thing. Here's what's so funny is that what makes people like Jack and and Zach. Do you know Zach Chichi from I'm So Popular? I've uh, heard of it. I know that she's obsessed with Madonna. That's all I know. So what makes them so cool is that when the rock stars who we've been talking about were, you know, stirring up controversy, uh, they they had a distance from people. You know, yeah. what's interesting now is that if you are a person like, say, me and Kelby, 
and you venture outside of this indie world just a little bit, uh, there's a direct apparatus that attempts to shut down. Oh yeah, no, I know. I, I, can, I can tell that they all like stay in their comfort zones and social filter bubble and like praise each other's work and keep it like gatekeeped mm-hmm. and clicky because they're afraid of anything outside of that. And that they're, that, that they're, they've just like an, an anesthetized themselves to their own like social clicky circle. And I'm sure me coming out of nowhere with like my fucking book that I worked on for 10 years and all these cosines, like, I'm like the antichrist, you know what I mean? They're like, they, mm-hmm. they, cause they want to, because a big problem about today's world is that we like hate successful people or we hate people going totally. towards it. Yeah, ambition. Like, like there's so much. Like, you're not like you're not allowed to have a lot of ambition. And I'm like very fucking like unapologetic about what I want and my ambition. And people don't like that. They think it's like scary, but it's actually exactly how you should be to get to your goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that they don't like that. And then I I think they also. I mean, I don't know. Like, what I I don't really know what my style is like or my prose. Like, like you guys are more literary. Like, what, who does it remind you of? Like, what is it like from what you've read? Like, educate me of why people are so pissed off. They're pissed off at you, not at your writing. Your writing's like Brett Joe Menno. Uh, you're okay. in the tradition. You're in the catcher in the rye tradition, basically. Okay. You know, you have a Holden okay. Caulfield. Okay. Um, although not, Brad's not that one. Well. He does whine a little bit. Yeah. But um, I think that it actually, uh, it doesn't matter how you wrote though. It's the fact, let me ask you this. How many times have you platformed queer black voices in in your career? Oh, like, I mean, like, no, like, like, like around, like I'm, I've, I've helped like a lot of people, all different people, you know, that's I mean? a joke Maybe. question, by the way, I'm totally fucking with you. Oh, no, you really scared the, the, me. No, the point that I'm trying well, to make is we, that we, that's, we've that's, platformed several, but they skip over that. So they just skip be over mad that. about, yeah, I'm making a joke <laughs> about how you didn't play the whole. Oh, I didn't play. Game. I didn't play into their yeah. game. I played my game. And also yeah. look, I, I, I intentionally wanted the book to be like, like, ex- like the product that I was building to be like extremely annoying. Like I wanted the most famous people co-signing me to try to like provoke people in that reaction because I wanted it to just feel really special and huge in that way. But it's just me fucking Didn't around. Did you get just... Rushkoff to, bl- to blur bit? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. That's of course awesome. I did. How did you meet Doug Rushkoff? Um, through Richard Metzger, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. But this is the thing. Like, I just, I'm just like this. Like, I just, I just reach out to people. I figure it out, and I, I do magic. I fucking, I make it happen. I, but I knew that I wanted it. I'm, I'm into iconography. I want things to feel iconic, and that's what I wanted to do with the book. I wanted, I knew I was going to put Brett on the cover. I knew but this was like a 10 year long plan. Like this didn't happen overnight, but uh, yeah, I definitely look the book, like it's all timing. Right. But uh, definitely. I think those people, like, I don't know who, to, I, I mean, I, I mean, maybe that's why they're upset. I think because they, they see pop as bad or success as bad or like things that are marketed to the mainstream as bad. I don't Your know. skin color also is probably yeah. bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, but aren't they all white dudes? Yes. Yes. Of course. Of course. Uh, yes. yes. 
Of course. Yeah. But that's You know who they really suppress a lot is uh black dudes who just want to write like Peaky Blinders fan fiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't yeah. they don't like that shit. They you know what I think is kind of toxic about, about their scene is is what I don't like about it, and like like this isn't a dig, but this is my own fucking OCD and paranoia. Um whatever what residues of it is is that i don't really think it's healthy to be engaging with other people's works all the time while you're forming your own fucking voice like you like if Mm -hmm. you're always hearing other people's stuff and you're getting an overlap of all of that it's like i didn't even read much fiction when writing nmb the only thing i had to read was the shards on assignment for an interview with brett but um i i i think that when you're constantly reading people's works and your peers like it's not really good for your creativity and imagination you should go to your references and the things that mean a lot to you and 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 get out of their voices but i think it's cool to support each other and read hubbard and all that it's cool but my brain doesn't really work like that (laughs) (laughs) this is the best this is the it's so great alex to have you here because you are uh you're speaking we've we've (laughs) No, we've talked a lot on this show about how we don't read <laughs> very much. Yeah. Kelby's, what, what do you say, Kelby? Like, you're the best, right? So you just read your, your own stuff? I do, yeah. Especially to get back in my own <laughs> voice. That That's a true hack, too. It's like, because sometimes... It yeah. uh, no, it's real. Sometimes bro. when you're sitting there going like, okay, like, and the, it's just like there's that little block or whatever i'll just read myself and go oh hell yeah i'm on fire now and then i'll just yeah for sure for sure and and you and you figure it out that way you know like i think that i think like i've always said this to people it's like okay i can like respect what you know brett has done or harmony crinan has done or larry clark has done or like pay tribute to the spirit of something but i want to express it in my way and i want to do it my way you know Mm-hmm. And I think that people just like resort to like Xeroxing, you know what I mean? And I think like I have an event in LA, unfortunately, at this place called Stories. Do you guys know it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've read it's, there. I've read it. Yeah. Stories, so it's yeah. a bookstore. I said, I'm not doing a fucking reading. I'm only doing a QA <laughs> and a fucking with a, with a buddy of mine and like a fucking. Yeah, I'm just, I just don't think I do well in <laughs> reading. I don't want to do a reading. So I said, I'll just do a QA. But, anyways, there's like all this weird fucking drama now in the LA lit scene where they're all like kind of like not bullying me, but they're all kind of like just trying to figure out what I am or what I'm doing. And it'll be interesting how that event plays out if any of them show up or what their game is. But like, I like that you guys are lone wolves in that way and you don't want to, to um, align yourselves with with the social circles and clicks and things like that, that only hurt you and your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, um, we care deeply about the art itself and yeah. those like circles are, I also care deeply about selling it because yeah. I want to be extremely successful. Um, yeah. And two epiphanies were one, that a lot of those circles we have our own circle like broken river is a not really a press as much as it is a crew that like pumps each other up and we publish our own shit and just 
Yeah, that's uh, sick. We have similar goals. So like there's that circle, but that's like tight knit. Like those are like my brothers. Mm-hmm. But uh outside of that, like the the scenes, there's always gonna be something uh, at the best it's just too much noise and you're trying to craft your own voice well, and you well, don't need biggest, all that. Yeah, yeah, funk, exactly. You know? The biggest complaint they have about me is is that they think that my team and that we're promoting the book art. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry that I don't want to sell 10 fucking books and I want to make an impact on the world. I'm really sorry that really fucking hurts your feelings and makes you feel small. But um, no, I'm not going to work on something for 10 years to have my mom talk about it with her fucking hairdresser. Like I need to figure it out and I need to get my work out in the world and I'm not going to fucking settle for anything and i'm not even going to believe in the illusions of like oh i can't do it i can't figure it out in this climate i'm gonna have to figure it out i'm gonna fucking figure something out i'm gonna make it work because i don't know i they hate ambition i mean yeah it's fucking weird dude like it's like it's like not being ambitious keeps them comfortable and like on their zoom calls together yeah no a lack of ambition keeps them comfortable and it also um I've often felt that with indie communities, the way that they're set up with this atmosphere of mutual praise yeah. and deference and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it mutual really praise acts... is so funny. You're so shady. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all blurb each other's works and like praise each other's work. I'm like, do you even really like it? Like, like I don't believe it. Like, it seems so nepo- It seems like such sycophancy. I got yeah. the last time I got canceled was because uh, there's an author named and um, you'll like this story. And if it's cool with you, I'd like to make this whole episode on the free one. Is that is that fine with you? Is there? Yeah, yeah, like for sure. To pay well? okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to tell this one on the free feed because this has been behind a paywall for a while, but has always gotten under my skin. Because okay. he's he's a he's an author who has found a lot of success. Um, I think Obama talked about his book or something like that. Yeah. And it's not the success that bothers me. It is this community that we're talking about of mutual praise yeah. that doesn't really believe what they're talking about. So when he first came on the scene, he was uh, you know just a guy like the rest yeah. of us who was yeah. on Facebook and he was posting excerpts from his books. Yeah. And a lot of writers would send each other uh, with me included these posts that he would put and they would all laugh. They would say, look at this, like this, this shit is awful. Like, like yeah. this guy's hilarious. So the only me. interaction I ever had with him was that I one time messaged him. I said, Hey bro, if you want some help, cause I, I do editing on the side as like a, you know, for money thing. Yeah. I said, Hey man, if you, if you want some help, let me know. Uh, I, I can work with you. You know, I can kind of, I can see something here. And he said, yeah, cool. Whatever. Like we were cool. Like nothing, nothing bad happened. Um, but he found an agent who has a lot of power right yeah uh, and that agent got him a book deal yeah and when his books got put through the system they came yeah. out not good but not good at serviceable. all serviceable serviceable yeah. right like they they were okay did it blow all up? of a sudden yeah it blew up 
look, Huge. I mean, these books are these books are in Target. I mean, they're Obama. these books are everywhere. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. So, Obama. so they blew up, and everybody who was talking shit was suddenly his best sucking friend. his dick. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so but that's what I mean. Like that's that's what they're all doing. That's what they all yeah. do. Yeah. And so basically what had happened was in one of my cancellations out of nowhere, because this guy's a creature of the internet, he yeah. hopped on one of them and started like piling on to me. And what? when you get canceled, you have this thing where you're like, first of all, I didn't do anything wrong. But second of yeah. all, what the fuck? Are you, wh- why the fuck are you piling on of all people? Like <laughs> yeah, he nobody came out asked of the you to chime in. Yeah, yeah. He just came out. He came out. So I was getting jumped and he came in with the fucking ketchup bottle. Right. Um, but so I was, I, I held a lot of resentment about that, about, I held a lot of resentment to, to all the people who did that, but him in particular, because he had already had some success and he didn't, he didn't have to do that. He just kind of, yeah, he came out and poked me for like no reason. So anyway, one night I, uh, I, I said on Twitter or something like that. He was the worst author alive or something like that quote, some quote, sad some, shit some uh, sad girl shit quote tweeted yeah, a gym so selfie quote tweeted a gym selfie is that how you became the worst author of all time or whatever no 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 what what happened was was he was like uh he posted he posts these like planet fitness selfies of himself uh you know he's a he's a big dude but like he doesn't he doesn't look great but yeah. um he posted one of these selfies of him flexing his uh you know like 30% body fat muscles or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And and he was like, uh, I worked on a farm and learned that's how I learned hard work. And I quote tweeted it with like, is that how you learned how to write your dog shit books? And uh <laughs> and and people people got really upset about that. But what incensed me about this whole thing, if you want to be mad at me for talking shit, that's totally fine. I get that. But what incensed me was the amount of people who it's like I know you were talking shit about him before he blew up. Yeah, now yeah. He blew up, and now we all have to like what pretend that this shit is good. Like, and to I get friend, to your point, you're saying that these yeah. scenes are built on deception. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, just, exactly. it's just not real. It's just yeah, not real. But- and the cream, the cream doesn't actually rise to the top. We all know who the best. We all know Brian Evanson's the best, right? Yeah. We all know Stephen Graham Jones is the best. Right. Uh Um, But and Stephen and Brian both get their flowers in their own way. But but we don't talk about them the way that we talk about these anointed people who just got lucky. You know what I mean? Like that was that was luck on his. Well, yeah, no, no, for for sure. And I think that um, that you make a you make a really, really good point. I mean, it makes me want to I mean, I want to mention someone when we stop recording to Kelby and you. Cause I don't want to mm-hmm. say their name because I just don't want to give that person power, but it reminds me a lot of that particular person and scenario. And I will talk about it when we, when we go off, but um, yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you hundred percent. And I think um, of course, like, of course, the second that I enter those world, the world's their first way of reacting is exactly what you're talking about. It's just like to try to like tarnish, something that they don't understand because it doesn't come from their language or their click. 
And so that's like their only way to like retaliate to it. And I, and like we, and you guys think the book's fucking good. So, you know, like let the work speak for itself, you know, like it's, it, if I, mm-hmm. I think everyone who's doing transgressive literature, like uh, there are a few people who want that to just be like a lot of people like kind of get pride off of like being kind of a low key author. Like they like it. Mm-hmm. Like they think it's really cool mm-hmm. to like, just be chill and have like a, a, like they like being like occult and secretive i can't relate to that because like as a kabbalist and someone who practices a lot of magic it's like what what am i fucking doing if i'm not bringing a, a level of joy or service with my work to people if they're if i'm not reaching souls if i'm not accessing people like i can't fucking what is the point of this that's just selfishness you know so i have to like right. i think that like what you guys are saying is, is, is really true. And I think that uh, you've been really done dirty and it's fucked up. It, it's totally that like Twitter mob or shit, you know? And um, that was like the six or seven. I was used to it by that point, but we're yeah. also in a fun You're such position. A Sag. Sages get canceled <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. One of my best buddies is a, is a Sag and she gets canceled all the time too for very different yeah. things, but you know, we're... oh, I have so I have so many questions for you guys when we turn off the recorder. I'm like, I think there's so many people I want to ask about. Like, I'm like spit fucking it. names like Spire. No, I'm. We should I'm... do that. We should do <laughs> yeah. that. We should do that. I really have to piss, so we'll probably wrap this up. Okay, Good yeah, morning, boys. Good morning. Do you want me to like shout it out? Oh, there it is. Do you yeah. want me to shout oh, out? There the it book? is. Okay, shout so... it out, buddy. Yeah, September 12th, and um. Because I'm off socials. If you listen to this episode, please email me at a, a fan mail at alexkazemi.com. Write me a letter. I love hearing letters from listeners. And let me know if you like the book. And thank you for having me. Very grateful. Absolutely. Been a pleasure. Been an absolute yeah. joy. <laughs> Fuck it. Get it <laughs> off. Let's get it off. I'm so much